traveling the vortex. Don't forget me. Oh, Sarah. Don't you forget me. As he travels the vortex and landed episode number 185, where we say goodbye to Bannerman Road. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm good. I was good until I was reminded what we were talking about this week. <laughs> <laughs> then I was sad. Yeah. Our 10 o'clock newscast this week. That's right. And it was Sean's idea. Maybe we'll have a good kicker. No, it was Glenn's idea. Right? Yeah, you're right. It was my idea? Oh, well, yeah, was my idea. <laughs> I mean, uh, in, a, in a roundabout way, yeah. How was your week? Not too bad. Busy. What you did? Well, uh, part of what I did was not sleep a lot because our Someone morning on vacation again. Morning show producer called in sick on uh, Thursday, so I found out Wednesday afternoon. Afternoon, and I found out it was possible in the afternoon and by evening, six thirty knew for sure. So I went home and then. Came back at midnight, and then I did it again on Friday. But luckily, <laughs> well, I didn't. Yeah. I, luckily, I didn't have to go back into you work. Had the quick turnaround the next day. But I did find out like three something and then six something again. <laughs> so it's still kind of like a well, I'm up now. <laughs> now going back to sleep. Uh, but they did give me a lot of opportunities to read and get a lot of movies watched. Uh, in addition to Buffy, which we are now halfway through season two. Um, we got to the big episode of season two. I think you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, those that have watched will know what I'm talking about. And Sarah handled it pretty well, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> she knew it was going to happen. She just didn't know when it was going to happen. Uh-huh. So, um, but I finished... And when you know that it's going to happen, two, see, the middle of season two seems very quick. Yeah. It seems very soon. She thought it was going to be the end of season yeah. three. And it seems that's, very abrupt. And that's why other things happened yeah. uh, of him getting his own show. But... Obviously, that's not the case. So I think she's slightly frustrated and slightly intrigued of what's going to happen next. Oh, it opened up a door for a lot of neat things. Yeah, it really did. Uh, And I'm reminded why this show was so good. It's squarely in season two is when it starts taking off. I would agree. Season two was one of its best. Uh, I finished Game of Thrones finally. After what? A year? The book. (laughs) The book. The book. The first book. Not even all of them. The first book. What a year? I got it for my birthday last year. So you didn't start almost, right away. No, I, I probably didn't. So it might have been eight months. Well, six to eight months. Yeah. I can't remember. But your birthday was in March? August. August? Yes. <laughs> You're March. <laughs> I'm March. You have a sister? <laughs> <laughs> so I, it, 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 it at least has taken me since... January, because that's as far back as when I signed up for Goodreads. Okay. <laughs> so that's when I've been able to, how far I've been able to keep track. <laughs> it ended really well, and it ended from a little... I want to now go back and rewatch season one, because there's so much more stuff that I picked up from the book, like relationships, uh, which remind me later, I had an epiphany of who somebody else was. Um, <laughs> which we can't talk about here because there's still too many people still playing Yeah, because if, if you haven't watched season four, you don't know who we're going to be talking <laughs> about. Um, 
And it left with Rob someplace I didn't remember the season one leaving. I thought I remember that being in season two of. Uh, well, it may have been. Uh, so they were, so they it were makes even... me want to go back and rewatch all of season one to see how they did things a little differently. I'll preface this with saying that I haven't read the books, but just from what I've read, they didn't really start to diverge until season three. As far as books go, but there were they. I read that they did fudge they a lot that, of stuff even yeah, back in the early things. days. It just wasn't as noticeable. <laughs> well, and I also watched. Uh, have you watched the Writers Room? Huh. It's hosted by Jim Rash. <clears throat> I and, love it. Uh, the second to last episode is Game of Thrones, huh. and so it's a really interesting talk with the two writers. And they made a lot of mistakes in season one. They had to go back and completely reshoot the pilot. Oh wow! Because they made so many mistakes, so it's kind of interesting to see. All the episodes ended up coming in short, and so I think that's why the seasons feel like they end at episode nine and kind of tack on an extra episode at the end. Maybe that's why this one finally felt like a finale. That they they finally got the hang of figure it out. Yeah, I I think that could be part of it. Could be, but a lot of I mean, a lot of this book deaths happened earlier on, and there were still sixty some pages setting up what's to come. So it, the book is still the same way as the season was. So, I don't know. Maybe that's what they thought they were doing. That, maybe that's what they thought they, they should do. they first did it and then, and then realized, realized, wait a minute, not this doesn't pace out as well as it should for yeah. a series. Yeah. I would love to hear some of the, what some of the mistakes were, just out of curiosity, of why were things so bad that they said they were. Um, but then uh, I watched This is the End. It was okay. Oh, the uh, Franco, yeah, the Franco. Battle Group. Parts of it were funny, parts of it weren't. By the end of it, I enjoyed it because I think of I like Jay Baruchel and I like He's Seth Rogen, and then the two of them together are pretty great. Yeah, and their whole relationship, the fact that the latter, almost the not even a quarter, the last part of it is just pretty much just the two of them, and even with Franco along at near the end, is when the movie started elevating for me. It, I think it was. Buddy film, the Betty film aspect of it is the best part of it. Yes. That and the end. <laughs> I'm not talking about just the end, end, but like just maybe the one, last one get out minutes. of the house. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. last 15, 20 minutes of movie is just like, oh my God. <laughs> that could have been so amazing. Funny. <laughs> just so much, yeah. so much funny. There. So much funny and so much just good. <laughs> So I can skip um, to the end. I won't go. I won't go as far as say good, but I will say clever. Clever. Okay. Yeah. Maybe clever. <laughs> Enjoyably clever. It, that, that was when I was kind of like, uh, I can't believe it was, that was at that point of I. I <laughs> when I got to that point, and it's like, why couldn't you've done this earlier? I, I, I slogged through an hour and a uh, hour and twenty minutes of this, and it yep. could have been so much better than yep. most of it. <laughs> And part of it is I don't think I personally just am not a big fan of Jonah Hill, even though you're not really supposed to like him in the movie. And same thing with Danny McBride. I like that he was fine with poking fun at himself. But I, there were some really funny parts with him where, like, in the beginning where he runs uh, Jay's whole dissertation about him, and then it's Jonah that knocks him into the hole that right. almost kills him. It's like, okay, yeah, no, Jay's right. <laughs> There, there was a lot of good stuff in it, and it just there was large sections that, like, especially like the whole exchange with Danny and uh, Franco from Franco upstairs, Danny downstairs, right, and they're right. digging the hole. Right. It's just kind of like, uh, really? Yeah. That's just, it's almost like they went too far. Yep. 
Um, some of the bonus features were really fun to watch. I, I didn't see any bonus uh, features. And the shorts that it was based on wasn't very funny, but it was really interesting. Oh, really? It's, it was just Jay and Seth in this house during the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so there was kind of some funny lines in it, but for the most part, it's fairly serious huh. short film. It what was really well done. I kind of wish it was also more like that, where it was just the two of them trying to survive and not as... There, there could be funny moments like early on in the movie when Jay says it's Judgment Day. You mean like Terminator? <laughs> that whole exchange. Pepper stuff like that through it in more serious movie, I think it would have been fantastic. Yeah, I just, uh, it, had, it had elements, but yeah, overall, I, I, I did walk away with that feeling like I wasted an hour and a half of yeah. my life. Well, I looked at, when I looked at Total Running Time, I thought, 145? Really? That seems awfully long for this film. <laughs> Now, once they got outside the house, production values were really oh, good. Oh, phenomenal production. But from what I understand... Ph- ph- phenomenal productions, yeah. They couldn't quite get the budget they wanted, so that's partially why they oh. had to stay in the house. I'm surprised at what they did do with the special effects. <laughs> it was, I mean, leading up to the house, yeah. and then when they left the house again. Yeah, I, I, I'd blown away by the special effects for that type of film. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, we also watched The Butler which had been sitting on the coffee table for a while. It was okay. Oh, Lee Daniels. The Lee Daniels not to be confused with the 1932 yeah. film of the same name <laughs> that Warner sued over. Yeah. Lee Daniels, the butler. That nobody would have confused. Yeah. It was interesting. It kind of like most of those <clears throat> that time period biopics for me is I'm glad I watched it, but I will never go back and rewatch it. Some of the casting I questioned, especially when it comes to the, the presidents, um... Alan Rickman, the one exception as Reagan, was phenomenal. And Jane Fonda as, uh, I just blanked on her name. Nancy. Nancy, yeah. Did really good. Um, even the casting for uh, Martin Luther King. Sorry. <laughs> I'm enjoying some runs. Wait, the candy. <laughs> but, but like the casting, even, even for Martin Luther King Jr., it was kind of like, really? That's who you went with? Oh, okay, I like the actor. Uh, I, uh, Sarah didn't know who he was, but I knew him from True Blood, so it was kind of like, he's such a different character. It was nice to see him play a different role, but it was still kind of mm, not quite right. Uh, so that was pretty good. We also, this probably would be the highlight of the movies I watched, if it weren't for something else coming up later. Uh, Gravity. You just now got around I just to now Gravity? I, I kind of wish I would have seen it in the theater. I could see why the 3D was so perfect for it. Yeah. I could see it just watching it on my TV that, oh, wow, that would have been wonderful in 3D. It was so impressive. Such a good film. I, I understand, while I consider it a sci-fi film, because it's not based on anything in actuality, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it's not based on true events, I could see why the Academy would be more inclined to throw more awards at it, because it feels more like Apollo 13. Yeah, it has very much that feel. Have you seen it yet? Mm. It's good. I it, I would definitely put it in the high ranking of movies from last year. It's gorgeous, gorgeously gorgeous, shot, gorgeous, well acted, almost almost real time. So it's that yeah. just just that alone is fascinating. Such a tense movie. There were so many times <laughs> like you guys talked about Jack Ryan and being on the edge of your seat. I. There were times in this where I felt like I was holding my breath because it was so tense and it was like, oh, I, I know, I, I think I know what's going to happen, 
But still, even thinking you know what's going to go on, going through it, you're just holding your breath of, are they going to make it? Uh. And, and, and so many, how many, how many times can you feel bad moments? Because oh, it's like, yeah. wow, this poor lady just can't catch a break. <laughs> oh, right, we made it over here. Oh, no, this happened. Hey, we made it over here. Oh, there's a fire. <laughs> you know, he's just on and on and on and yeah. on. So. Uh, I'm glad you liked that. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Uh, Sarah thought George Clooney wasn't in it enough, and I was surprised he was in it as long as he was. <laughs> Potential spoilers. <laughs> oh, come on. From the trailer, you know Clooney doesn't make it. Oh, man. I didn't know that. What? Really? Yeah. That's oh, right. Sorry. That's right. I knew that from the trailer, so I don't know. <laughs> I assumed that from the trailer, I guess. And everybody talked about Sandra Bullock and how she was such a standout and carrying the movie herself. I, was, I thought it was written on the wall. Sorry if anybody spoiled anybody on that. <laughs> well, it be the first time we've spoiled people. <laughs> but that would have been the top of the movie list if it weren't for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> so the benefit of you see it yet? Oh, yeah. producing the morning have, show. So. Oh. I know. <laughs> We're gonna have to really one job. We tried to get the stars to align this weekend, and it just didn't happen. That's just gonna delay our com- or prolong our conversation of this, the epicness of this movie. Yeah, it was alright. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perk of uh, producing the morning show on a Friday. Is I can go to a Friday night showing of a movie. I wondered how you pulled that off. It, you said you were going, and I thought maybe he took the day off. That if wouldn't it, surprise if it weren't sweeps, July, it's sweeps. If, if it weren't sweeps, I would have. Well, <laughs> and ironically, if I hadn't have produced the morning show on Thursday, I thought about going to the ten thirty show and on Thursday well, night. You, you mentioned that too, and I was like, I almost did that, yeah, thinking, yeah, oh, yeah. if I don't get it to the, this weekend, which in hindsight twenty twenty, I should have. But see, I'd have had to bust out of there because we aren't done until ten thirty five. You would have missed. I would have had to bust out of there, but you I was thinking, I was thinking potentially enough. There was a lot of trailers and hours that you might have been able to make it, but it would have been close. I didn't look at the clock. (laughs) Best film of the year. I should have found somebody that went to the 10 o'clock show showing because they had a 10 and a 10.30 and had them text me with how long the trailers (laughs) were. (laughs) Because that was another thing. That was one of the things that dissuaded me from doing it. I didn't want to miss any part of the movie. Yeah. You saw it in 2D. Mm -hmm. Did you have the uh, Moses trailer? Yes. Okay. So then, was that your last one? I think so. Okay. Because I went in three D. Exodus, 3D. Exodus yeah. of the King. Yeah, or something whatever. Or Moses. Ten Commandments, whatever. <laughs> so I saw this movie when it was animated. It was called Prince of Egypt. <laughs> Christian Bale was not in it, and it was still whitewashed. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm sorry. I know he's a little old now, but the mummy. Bring him in. Have him be Arnold Joel Edgerton. Yeah, have him be Joel Edgerton's role. He would be perfect in that role. He might be a little old now, but still. Echo made some comment about that with the the son of son of man, son of God. What is the son of God? I guess is the the one the Jesus movie that's out. And she's like, at least they're starting to get closer <laughs> to the right ethnicity. So your spoiler free review of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Or do you want to wait until next week? Oh, I'm, I'm going to give a quick synopsis. Not synopsis. Review. No, no, wait, no. <laughs> so don't okay. spoil two movies so so in one night. <laughs> there's talking apes. What? Hey, there's a I theater. I didn't know they were talking yet. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, well, I know Caesar talks at the end of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So. I have to say, the 3D in this was phenomenal, and it was one of those 3D films. <laughs> I'm just prolonging the inevitable. No, no, no. I just something else occurred to me that's going to sound really pathetic now. Go ahead. <laughs> See, that's weird because we, we, we Mel See, and I, I are not big the, 3D fans. I, neither am I. I and checked out the Cinema Blend review of it. Nearly perfect. Two points. Yeah, off. and I see. I saw that, and I kind of wondered how much of that honestly is that it's this good, and how much of it honestly is just everybody's on this ape high right now well, because everybody's reviewing this movie, just you know, four stars and the Thinking Man's action movie, and blah 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 blah. And, and it not that I necessarily disagree with any of that, but it's just it's easy to get caught up in the <gasps> you, you, the second coming of film. You know, you did. I did lose or stop paying attention to the 3D. But I tend to do that when I watch a 3D anyways. Yeah. So I don't know how much of that is it's doing 3D well, that it's not glaringly obvious that it's there. Or it's not doing 3D well enough because I'm not noticing it. See, we went to the 2D, and Mel and I both looked at each other afterwards and kind of went, I don't feel that there was anything in this movie that 3D would have really benefited. I also wanted to throw as much money in as I could <laughs> to make sure that Transformers did not beat it. <laughs> I didn't because then I would I not want to live on the planet anymore. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Did it? Do, did it outperform? Oh, yeah, it did. Uh, way and above. Really? Oh yeah. It, it, it outdid Rise's opening weekend. Well, that honestly wouldn't have been too hard. Well, it, that's it, what, that's it over, what I was saying it, when it was brought it that up. It, it, it got Rise fit, only Rise got like, like fifty-four million in the opening weekend. Yeah, but, it, but it, that's not a real good benchmark for a film that no, that didn't have a lot of hype. It really didn't going into yeah. it. No, and. It's it was the first in a series of reboots, so well, it's hard to it's hard could to, have to judge. Not been. <laughs> oh yeah, it could have been a ta-da eight movie and then gone. Well, yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying it, is it, it didn't, didn't have that backing. So its first weekend was phenomenal for what it was. Yeah, but it's hard to I, be I, a benchmark against its sequel. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, they still haven't. It hasn't released internationally yet, so this is just domestic. Uh, it made, I think, $76 million. That's what you said. Um, it, hadn't, it hasn't made back what it cost to make it yet, but International can easily make that up. Uh, but now Transformers did uh, it, it's, almost it's, $100 million It did $100 million it's in its opening weekend. weekend. It did, yeah, yeah. It, this didn't but beat then it fell like open, by, opening weekend record. for, Or it didn't beat Transformers opening weekend total. Oh, but it beat... But it, but, but it knocked it down this week. Transformers dropped significantly like this week. Like 15 million. Although part of that might have been word of mouth because nobody's saying good things because, about Well, in the weekend after the Transformers, it dropped. Like, there's been 40% drops in Transformers every weekend that it's yeah. come out, even though it had such a stellar start. Unfortunately, it did not do better than Tim Burton's opening weekend. Well, that's another thing that I think it was people were skittish about Rise. Yeah, is this is going to be another. It, it, it fell on the heels of a yeah. Black even Buster. even after ten years, it was. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we remember <laughs> that. <laughs> well, and, I, and looking at the next several weekends, I honestly don't see anything that could possibly knock it off, unless sex tape somehow blows it <laughs> out of the water no, no, until no. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, Guardians will be the one to see it. It. I think all the reviews are spot on on it. And I think some might be even a little harsher than they need to be. Oh, Sarah, not being a huge... She doesn't... She finds the ape makeup 
in the previous, in the classics, creepy. So she doesn't like them. And she enjoyed Rise for what it was, not as much as I did. But she walked out of that movie saying, that was as epic as you said it would be. <laughs> and you know how much I hate this film. Yeah, you hyped this one a lot. You're <laughs> still it, hyping it. And it pays off. It, In her words, you come for the baby apes, stay for the epic story. <laughs> I, uh, I, thir- I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed it. If, if I have a, a very minor nitpicky complaint, really, really minor, really, really nitpicky. There's the critic looking there's, for there's, the There's the critic that's looking for the one thing. You've got to find that one thing. I, uh, there were two visual effects that did not hold up for me. Mm. One was the baby ape. Doing the, the smaller apes seemed like it's really tough because baby yeah. Caesar didn't quite look as good as old Caesar. Yeah. And he didn't do much because he was in the box. You know, well, for, yeah. For, for, or for even sit in the chair. This, this one, you know, that comes out, it kind of climbs down Carrie Russell's arm and up. And, and just the more this thing moved and you saw people trying to interact but with it, the was, more it went, eh, my brain was like, I don't buy that. But then you ended that shot, I thought, with a great, just subtle thing of him playing with the kid's tongue of the shoe. Yeah. That was such and a that nice... Worked. That was such a nice little thing. Well, I, I could I, almost excuse... The, every, every, the everything everything, everything well. around that worked. Just one shot where it moved toward camera, kind of down her arm. My, I, I didn't buy that at all. And then there was another one late in the film when the apes were kind of bouncing across the, uh, uh, the tension wires toward the building that it looked bad. Mm. But those are the only two. Everything else is phenomenal. Everything else was phenomenal. Uh, the, the, the look and the, you know. The other thing I would praise about the film is the first rise, uh, Andy Serkis is a standout performance yeah. out of the apes. This, there are two other contenders that are just as good as he is in it. Uh, the guy who plays Koba and the guy who uh, the guy who plays Bride, uh, Blue Eyes, his son, just as good a performance as Andy gave, in yeah. my opinion. And then there's Maurice. <laughs> Who was just wonderful through the entire thing. I, knowing that this is a sequel, there are... Obviously, the stakes are higher. The body count's got to be bigger, blah, blah, blah. I went through the first movie with this kind of apprehension that a character that I enjoy was going to get bumped off. <laughs> Which, to me, kind of did happen with Buck. Yeah. And, and, and we did... I spent, I don't know, at least 45, 50, 60 minutes of this film in abject terror that a character I liked was going to get knocked off. And then there's a moment so where you pre- clinch, and you're like, no. Be prepared, because th- th- you are emotionally invested in these apes. <laughs> you are very much like, don't go in there. <laughs> and oh, then they go in there. And, yeah, so it's good. It really, really, really is I'm good. excited to see it. I just... Wish things had worked out. <laughs> I wish they had too. I think it's going to be the best movie of the, film of the year, and Guardians of the Galaxy will be the most fun movie of the year. Because <laughs> this story, because that's another thing. That, like we mentioned, Tim Burton's story doesn't do right. Is there's no allegory, there's no metaphor. This has it again, as does Rise. That the Planet of the Apes films need to have is that underlying message, however subtle it might be, however heavy-handed it is. It needs to be there, and it is here, too. Uh, Perhaps a bit more subtle than previous. I'll ask this after he sees it, but I want your take now. Putting aside your ape excitement, okay, which you're on that high, I know. How legit do you think the Oscar chances of this film are in any category? 
other than it's, visual effects. It's going to win visual gonna... effects. I don't have enough faith in the Academy for it to get any nomination other than visual effects. Who do you think it deserves? Direction, writing. I, I, this is putting aside your ape excitement. This is, this, is, this is putting aside my ape excitement looking at it just as a I film. Do I don't think he could do that. Uh, but that's part of his enjoyment of the film. So. That is. Uh, <clears throat> best actor, I would think. And I think Andy definitely deserves it. Uh, I don't know about supporting. I thought Andy deserved it. In the pre- I thought John Lithgow deserved it in the previous I'm, one. I think I'm Lithgow not go deserved into, it for, for, for... Yeah. I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> Unfortunately, they won't get it. Uh, Lithgow for supporting there, and... There and are very heavy acting. reasons why they shouldn't, but I'm not going to go there. Well, I'll springboard off of that because... Speaking of apes... Of <laughs> speaking of apes... I finally watched the Tim Burton. Oh, did you? <laughs> Rewatched. I, I've seen it before. And? Uh, well, number one, got my, in the mail, my vanilla copy. It was oh, still vanilla? Still vanilla. Yeah, and it, was, and it wasn't even the cover. I, it, that didn't even bother me so much, but it wasn't even the cover that's advertised on Amazon.com. It was the stupid Mark Wahlberg cover. Oh. Bring it to work. I'll swap it out. So anyway. I'm sure, I'm sure I have a copy of the two-disc planted to the... Although you want it on Blu-ray. This though. one's not two-disc, though, either. It's the vanilla version one. But you got it on Blu-ray. Disc. Yeah, I got it on Blu-ray. There's a Blu-ray special edition release. Yeah, I saw it. I don't, I, I'm not sure. I, I, don't I, I wasn't I that certain that I it. ordered it, which was okay. I was specifically ordering it for that cover. <laughs> I don't care about the extras. I don't care about everything else. I specifically ordered it for the that, that The important question, did it have the, the index card that nope. explained no, the there's, there's no insert at all. There's nothing in there. And I think the only extra on it's a commentary by Burton, I think. That's it. Um, which, again, is fine. Here's I paid, I I paid $7.99 plus $3 shipping. Well, that didn't quite work right. I could have got, you were a Prime member. Could have got it for, no. could have got it for $7.99. I used to be. Oh, used to be in drop. <laughs> could have got it for $7.99, though, the same copy at uh, Best Buy. Um, on second watch, I enjoyed it better. I enjoyed it more. I enjoyed it better. It was more enjoyable the second time through. Um, I'm still wowed by the makeup, especially since all of them are, they don't rely on CGI for the apes. And, um, I probably would have had a better time with Mark Wahlberg's performance had you, had you not <laughs> mimicked it last week. Because then that's all I saw was. So you didn't watch okay, the guys? trailer? <laughs> no, I haven't watched it yet. Okay, guys, we can do this. <laughs> I think we can do this. I, it's just, that that just came across. Worst speech ever. Um, but I'll tell you, that, that I'm not going to go into too much of details of it because it is what it is. I don't hate, <laughs> We've already been over I don't it. hate the movie. It's, it's fine for what it is. It's not a good apes film. But um, the ending of the movie... I thought I had wrapped my brain around it. <laughs> I'm fine now because I've, I've drawn a conclusion. Because when I saw it, I thought one thing. And I thought that he'd gone back through time and that Fade had gone back through time. Oh, no. And I went, "Yes, uh, okay, well, hang on. And I went, okay, that's weird. How would he have, uh, okay, I don't, I don't get it. I'm just going to accept it as that oh, oh wow moment. And then I kept reading online that it was not Earth's future, that it was the future for the planet, the, the ape planet. I can't remember what they called it. The ape planet. And that it was in the future of the ape planet and that it just happened to evolve similarly to Earth so that it had the same things. And I thought, 
I don't remember it that way, but okay. It makes less sense. It, no, it, made, it made a little more sense to me that he did more that sense that way. It's Earth, number one, because when he goes back through the time they fissure, show him, uh, he, plot, he plots his course to Earth. He passes Saturn and oh, Jupiter yeah, and all that. Okay. But it wasn't until I watched it this time that I realized, and this is no revelation for anybody at this table probably, except <laughs> it's the first in, last out theory. Yeah. It's... The monkey, the monkey, the ape went in first. Uh, what was it? The, Thank uh, you for correcting me. Uh, what's the ape's name? Percoles uh, or something. Percoles. Percoles, yeah. Perseus. Some sort of no, opportunity. Whatever his name was. <laughs> goes in first. Wahlberg goes in second. The, uh, what's the ship? Orion? Orion? Oberon. Oberon goes in third. So Oberon crashes first. Marky Mark shows up second. Chimp lands third. So it makes sense that at some point, after Mark leaves, Marky Mark leaves the planet. Thade uh, fo- figures out how to follow him. Thade ends up first. Doesn't necessarily change events on Earth, but changes things in, on Earth in a sense that, from Marky Mark's perspective, because an alternate timeline is created because Thade's gone back further in Earth's history. Right. And caused an uprising of the apes on Earth. Fine. I'm perfectly fine with that uh, that uh, idea. And I got it this time without any help from anybody else, without an index card. And I went, as soon as I went, <laughs> first in, <laughs> last one to crash, then I realized, okay, that that does work. I had to have the index I don't card. Have, I don't have a... Well, I needed it the first time I saw a film, and I would have gotten it a little better. Now, Now doing that... I don't. I'm not as bothered by the end. It's still not a great ending, and it really doesn't help the fact that all everything is apes in human clothing, and everything's the same, and that things didn't change enough to to make that not so weird. But it's like an episode of Sliders, where and, and don't get me wrong, yeah, yeah, I yeah. love Sliders, but when they go into the alternate universe that the Soviet Union has taken over. And, and the dollar bills are the dollar green. bills are red. Just red, but they still have the president's faces on them. Who puts like Washington on a? Why wouldn't they use rubles? Yeah, there's absolutely nothing about this alternate timeline that makes sense. But I didn't. But care. that, 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 that aside, that aside, I was like, okay, I'm fine with this ending. It's okay. Now here's the thing: the problem with the movie is it did so poorly and wasn't good enough to justify a sequel that a sequel would have explained that. <laughs> And we wouldn't have needed an index card. And we wouldn't have needed me to see it twice to figure out what the hell went on. And so had it got a sequel. I, in fact, I wish it would have been just good enough to get a sequel. And then that I sequel tank. Because I think that I think at least Burton would have been justified. I don't think Burton didn't even write the film. Whoever wrote the film would have been justified in the direction that he went with it at the end. And so... The, the, the bean counters at Fox said, okay, here's the deal. We can either spend X number of millions of dollars on a sequel, or we can spend X numbers of millions of dollars on index cards to explain it. <laughs> and the index cards were slightly less, but not much. So and let me say this about Tim Burton's Planet of the cards. Apes. I'm glad that I own it now, because it's not a terrible film. It's, it's not a terrible it's fine. film. It's a, it's a good film. To, and it, it, I enjoyed it the second time I watched it. There's weaknesses, Marky Mark being the key one. Um, but there's a lot of strong performances. And you talked a little bit about this last week. Tim Roth, um, 
Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Yeah, even uh, Helena Bonham Carter. I do not like her. I've not liked her in very many films at all. You can't even tell it's her in this. Love her in this movie. She is so good in this. (laughs) It took me a long time Um, to realize that's who that was. My Candy Girl was even better than I remembered. She's still not great, but she was better than I remembered. (laughs) No, no. But Chris Christopherson, fantastic. In in ten minutes, that was that was that's disappointing. First billing, first death. (laughs) A whole bunch of people were meant to care about and no. Michael Clark Duncan. Who's the the guy that plays the other ape, the, the, the gorilla that goes with them. I can't remember his name. Um, uh, I want to say it's the, Asian the, the, the guy from uh, Mortal Kombat. Yes, I yeah. think that's right, but I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. Anyway, he's he I, he was one of my favorite parts of it this time. I don't think I invested as much in his character the last time, and when I paid attention this time, I really, really liked him. Um yeah, so that's all I have to say. About that is, it, 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 it's it's a fine movie. I'm glad I own it. And Charlton, it, it doesn't deserve Charlton Heston. It, yeah, Charlton Heston. It doesn't deserve the lambasting that it's gotten. It's it's created a reputation for itself that I think is now exceeding. Uh, yeah, its actual performance. You know what I mean? Well, and I, I saw an article recently stating that. It got ranked uh, higher than uh, uh, <laughs> Battle on that one yeah, that you showed me. And I went, whoa, Keith's not going to like that. I did not agree with that. <laughs> I did not well, agree with that it, one either. It, but. it actually grossed more than it, the budget was. It made $180 million. Kind of and the budget only cost $100 million. Uh, the reason, I saw an article sequel, recently yeah. saying the reason why they didn't make a sequel is because it was lambasted so badly hmm. by critics. And that's why they never made a sequel to it. Yeah, they, I think if because they, I think it's considered a bomb, but it was actually a financial success. Yeah, see, I, that's that's too bad. When, back in the day when Hollywood actually listened to critics and not the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, anyway, we wouldn't so have three more. That's that's movies. my brief review of. Tim Burton's yeah, it's funny, Planet but your 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 opinions of of Planet of the Apes, Tim Burton's, are pretty much verbatim my feelings on Superman Returns. <laughs> I think it's it's gotten such a bad rap that the, the, the stigma rap than it deserves. The sti- yeah. Exactly, the stigma of that film is far worse than what the actual film is. Agreed. <laughs> um, I mean, come on, quest for peace. Oh, don't start with me. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, you know, in fairness, yes, you're right. Quest for Peace is a worse film than Superman Returns. Something else that I did, but it's week. not a worse film than Superman and, Three. And this is more poking. Uh, Sean with the stick. Oh, boy. Here uh, we go. All right. So I don't remember how much of this was that we talked about on the show and how much it was before, but I'm going to go to kind of step back through this for the listener just in case. I know that on the on the show I talked about uh, a month or two ago completing my iTunes and getting everything uh, set oh, yeah. up, fixed, so that, you know, all the albums were all correct, everything had cover art and everything, which, you know, is, is as Sean had, had attested to then, that's a monumental task that's to huge. get that done. And it took me probably the better part of two years to do it just over the, I mean, I didn't sit there for two years and do it, but just over the course, and I got it finalized. And then I don't know if this much got on air. Two weeks later, my hard drive that all my music is stored on oh. crashed. And I, and I, I, told, I think, you told you that. Yes. Least. Okay, so you knew. Maybe it was, I don't think you told maybe me. It was pre-show and, and it, I was I, just I talking to you. I think you told Sean. them when they were, you guys were leaving. That could have been it as maybe well. that's it. But anyway, hard drive, drive crashed with all that music on it. So all two years of work down the drain. Now, that's not true. It's, it's not all of it because it probably was about a little less than two-thirds of it was on that drive. The rest of it was on here because 
I had gotten to a point where I'd got, I I was getting full over there, so I just kind of let the stuff kind of come over to this mm-hmm. side as long as it pointed to the right directions. Well, fast forward another week, and I brought up my iTunes, and I remembered that I pay for a service called iTunes Match, which is $30 a year. And what it is, is it will upload all of your music that you have for $30 to the cloud. If it has, if you have music that you either bought through them or bought from a CD or any other service, it will utilize the DMR license code from iTunes to match to that so that you officially own that music and can retrieve it through the iTunes store, through their store. The other items that it doesn't recognize or is not in their catalog, it still uploads it to the cloud and is accessible from there. And I thought, oh, iTunes Match. Maybe this will work. So I fired up my iTunes, and I realized that I had turned it off. And it already had gotten turned off. And I thought, oh, what? So I went in and turned it back on, and everything started popping up, and they have these little cloud icons on them if they reside in the cloud. They all would come up, but they'd have a little grayed-out area. And I thought, I wonder if because it's not seen it on my drive, they're there, but it's just not allowing me to access it because I have to have the copy as well so that it can validate it. Right. And so I thought, oh, well, so much for that backup. That didn't work. Last weekend, fired up iTunes and was doing some more cataloging and moving some stuff and re-ripping CDs that I had ripped years ago because I... Did all my, uh, part, of, part of my music that way. I looked up, and all these little clouds were full. They weren't grayed out anymore. Huh. And I went, huh? And I started clicking on the songs, and they all started playing from the cloud. And I clicked a few of the little cloud with the little download that indicates that you can re-download it to your computer. And they all started downloading. It just took a, you had so much, it just took a while. Every one of my up. songs is back. And I'm Everything. leaving them on the cloud because I'm not going to download them to another hard drive. Um, Everything is back. So here I go on my praising iTunes <laughs> box again. It's a wonderful service that works well. It works correctly. Apparently, it did have such a massive load of making sure that this was really all my stuff um, that it took a little while. But all of this, all of my work is preserved thanks to Yay. iTunes and oh. thanks to this $30 that I pay a year. A year. It's a yearly thing. Which to me, thirty dollars a year is a drop in the bucket. I mean, it's nothing. So to have that security, (laughs) to have that security, is fantastic. I absolutely, uh, I'm so ecstatic that all of my work was not gone to waste because of their one service. So nice. Uh, Mason's taking swim lessons this week, so we've been doing that. And it seems like there was one other thing I was going to bring. Oh, my dad's birthday was on Saturday, so we went out to the park, had a picnic in the. 96 degree weather with the heat index of 108. I didn't, that was the worst day to plan that, but that was the day everybody was available. And so it was just sweltering hot. I don't think we were out there more than maybe an hour and a half, but it was a nice time. The kids got to play at the park. Um, unfortunately, then like two days later, it's now in the 70s. It's nice. Gorgeous. Yeah. And I wish we were in the park. Um, I think that's pretty much all that I did this week. I don't think I have any other big. Things I didn't watch anything. Oh, I did finish Idiot and Idiot Abroad, which I think you know I, I I'm, I'm going to go on this very much. But in Idiot Abroad, I I had a couple left that I hadn't seen, and as soon as I was done with them, I thought it was a one season thing, 
it brought up the second season, and oh. I went, oh, how many seasons are there? There's three. Oh, so, nice. <laughs> so I'm excited to truck on through to season two and season three. So uh, that's it. I think that's about all I did. We did also go to the Sunset Zoo on Sunday oh. for Sarah's mom's birthday. Oh, so excellent. the whole family went. It was fun. The baby chimp was out there and playing. and It's such a nice little small zoo. We were done with two hours and yeah. went and had lunch and came back. It was nice. And it wasn't too hot. Is that the one out? To, um... That's in Manhattan. Okay. They have a baby chimp. Or not a baby. In, in, uh, toddler chimp. It's not It's not the drive through <laughs> one. It's the no. It's the actual, it's an actual Manhattan Zoo. It's actually in the city limits in Manhattan. Gotcha. It's really okay. nice. Because <clears throat> you, there's a lot of walk-through ex- exhibits. You can walk through the Australian section where there's wallabies. And there's no nothing between you and the wallabies. Same with the prairie dogs. Is and, one of them named Rocco? I did not see names. <laughs> It should be. So what did you do this week? Somebody got the joke. Um, what did I do this week? Well, we went and saw uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes on Friday. Tony Blair touched on it. Um, and I didn't. And you didn't. <laughs> Rub that in a little bit. Yeah. Hey, who has two thumbs and saw the movie this weekend? These yeah, guys. This guy. Um, what else did we do? We had uh, Cody's birthday party on Sunday. So we uh, got the whole family together and we trucked over to Kansas City and went to the Station Casino because they have a wonderful buffet there. Although this time, honestly, I was a little disappointed in the buffet, um, especially for the sixteen ninety nine per person price tag <laughs> that was attached to the brunch buffet this time around. But... Um, I mean, it's an all-you-can-eat, and they've got, like, five different, you know, there's an Italian and a Mexican and a Chinese and a barbecue and a, so, you know. Chinese for brunch? Yeah, if you want. I guess it is lunch, You get too. your option of everything, so. Although, it reinforced my idea. Are you ready for this? Around the world in 80 buffets? Around the world in 80 buffets. <laughs> yep. If you invent that, I get a I take know, of that. I know. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm starting I don't, to. I, don't get, I get 20%. That's all I get, but I get. Oh, you eat it. free. You come close. <laughs> no, I get twenty percent of the profit. Oh, from the profit. Okay, uh, I'm I'm seeking Kickstarter donations. Of that idea was mine, <laughs> but you still have to pay to eat there. <laughs> yeah. All right. If I get twenty percent, I'll spell pay to eat there. We're, we're starting a Kickstarter campaign because we really think this is a good idea. But it's, it's eighty different buffets featuring from you know cuisines from around the world, and you come and you pay one flat price and you can eat at all eighty of them. So, the world's largest restaurant. I'm ready. It'll be bigger than Casa Bonita. I think you should theme it around the movie, around the well, and the, and the book, around the world in eighty days. I think so. And I think that's part of your draw. Yeah, it's got to go in places like Legends and stuff like I that. I think part of my twenty percent idea was the atrium, which you come in and everything surround in the big balloon in the middle, air hot air balloon. Yeah, hot air balloon. That one was mine. I can't remember everything was mine. And a, and a map of the world. We've been the talking about this. <laughs> We've been arrows. talking about this. It, it, this is mostly his idea. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to stoop, steal any of the credit. Oh, no, no. I've it's, had little things that I've added to it. Um, Glenn's enhanced it. We've had this idea for, he's had this idea probably for much longer, but for, God, what have we known each other, 20 years? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're fact, serious we about food. We were, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Kickstarter campaign coming your way soon. Support the dream. <laughs> And um, so we, we ate at the buffet and uh, gorged myself. <laughs> and everybody slowed down. I mean, it was it was definitely one of those that, you know, you go to the buffet and everybody eats and then you kind of get to that <laughs> stage. Everybody was there and I'm looking around going, 
Pace what? yourself, guys. What's, what's with this? You know, Mel had like one plate and was done. I was like, I'm not paying for you to go to a buffet if you're going to eat one plate and beat her out on me. I mean, you know, this is the holy grail of, of food stops. <laughs> if you guys were going to do that, I'd have taken you all to McDonald's. We could have had some wood hamburgers or something. This is not. This is not cool. And so they, you know, I kind of go to them and eating another plate and. They didn't really make it very well when they sat there for, I don't know, an hour. I was like, well, it's lunchtime. Who's hungry? And they just looked at me like I was nuts. Of course, I wasn't going for another plate either. I was stuffed. But So then um, we, we went into the casino, and Cody got to actually go into a casino with his ID, and he was so happy about that. He brought 20 bucks with him to have his fun money and immediately sat down and, and won $3 on the first dollar he put in and just like, well, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Didn't last. <laughs> $75 down later. No, he only spent the 20 We were proud oh, of him. But, yeah. that, but I warned him afterwards. I was like, see, that's where that's where the casino fun is. You take your 20 bucks and you pay for your entertainment. And you're good. But when that becomes just one more spin, just one more to quarter, just one yeah. more dollar, just how much have I got left in my pocket? Do I have any in my ATM? That's when you need to go, okay, there's an issue here. <laughs> um, and then we went to... Uh, uh, because we were just killing a little bit of time and uh, went to the arcade that was there and uh, got enough tickets on the ski ball that everybody got a set of glow-in-the-dark vampire teeth. Because <laughs> <laughs> what else do you do with the tickets from the ski ball machine yeah, at the arcade? Really? Glow-in-the-dark I mean, you, vampire you can't save up for any real prizes. So um, we took Especially our, if you're out of town. <laughs> we took our glow-in-the-dark vampire teeth and then went to Worlds of Fun because we had bought the after 4 p.m. tickets. Which turned into a whole other debacle because um, they'd advertise this four pack of four for this prize, and we we're like, "Oh, that's great!" That's it. Yeah, that apparently it was a limited time thing, even though it didn't say limited time thing. So all the tickets, we ponied up the bill to pay for the extra because nobody was prepared for that. And sure, that was about an extra eighty dollars by the time you factored in eight people, and yeah, so I'm poor. Um, <laughs> But we went to World's Fun. I always take your picture when you walk in the park. But we all had our glow-in-the-dark vampire teeth in for our <laughs> World's Fun photo. So that was fun. Um, Hopefully you bought that photo. Oh, we did buy that oh, photo, okay. yeah. I don't know if it was... It's been a while since I've been, but going at, after four on a Sunday... Oh, it's the year late. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, it's last year. Everybody only goes like once or twice a year, so you've been. Did I go last year? We went last you year guys took what's oh, for James? Yeah, yeah, that's right. The whole yeah. story I guess that was last year. Poor Nels. Nels, yeah. I sent him a picture actually. The Patreon. <laughs> I said with love and apologies. <laughs> You're just mean. <laughs> yeah, he he laughed, and then he had some choice words for me. <laughs> Um, but uh, so after four on Sunday was a great time. The park was empty. It, w- it was hot, but it wasn't overly hot. We got right on. We got right off. We literally walked right up to everything. Nice. Right up to the Patriot. Right up to all the roller coasters. The big, the new one. You know, without lines, four is help. What time did they close? Ten. Oh, that's plenty of time. Yeah. Without lines, it was plenty Without lines, it was plenty of time. The longest line we stood in was for the Fury of the Nile, and that was late in the day. And I think th- that was like. Five or ten minutes. Still not bad for Fury of the Nile. Yeah. And then we turned right around and got back on. And then while we were loaded in the boat, we looked around and the line was gone. We could have, there was absolutely no line for it <laughs> at that point. Um, unfortunately, Oceans of Fun, because it's all now one park, Oceans of Fun closes at seven, uh. even though it's all one park. <laughs> So the way we had structured our day, we went up to Oceans of Fun, and they were closed. So we couldn't. We kind of missed out on. 
it's like, well, if I'd have known that, I'd have structured our trip through the park a little differently than yeah. than the way we did it. But um, so yeah, we we had a really had a really good time. And Cody you guys really didn't go had, over to Schlitterbahn. Didn't go to Schlitterbahn. No. Are you kidding? The new Death Trap ride? I'm not getting on that one. <laughs> I'm surprised. I thought you'd you be know. First have you watched the videos of it? Yeah. Of of the rafts and everything. It works now. Oh, I'm sure it works. Oh, okay. I, I, it looks see, like I would drown from all that water being yeah. shot well, in my face. Well, because it comes and, this way, yeah. and then as you hit the, the, the first slope, you know, before, you know, kind of evens out before it does yeah. the second drop, it comes from behind. Did you yeah. notice that, yeah. watching all those videos? Couldn't believe that. Uh, seeing the raft and how they strap you in there, I'd, I'd do it. Yeah, it looks like a roller coaster. Yeah, it's, it's just, a, yeah. <laughs> here's, You're here's, not moving. Here's, here's the thing. Love roller coasters. We rode the Prowler three times. No line. That's Caitlin's. That's Caitlin's. So I like love the problem. Um, I love roller coasters. Absolutely love roller coasters. Water slides, if it's got a tube over it, I'm okay. This has a net. This has a net. Yeah, see, that's not the same thing. <laughs> and here's why. Because Worlds of Fun used to have the Python Plunge, and they had the two. They had the tube ones over here. Oh, that's where the Prowler is. That's where the Prowler is now. I'm glad I'm not the only one that remembers yeah. that. Because yeah, I, I ask people that now, and they're like... Nobody, re- nobody remembers Python Plunge. And it wasn't over, it was it was hidden. Wasn't you had to walk yeah. way the heck walk, back up into that little zoo. Yeah. And it, it was wasn't even way. a part of Oceans of Fun. It was just World yeah. of Fun. It was World of Fun. It was just World of Fun, yeah. In fact, it predate the monsoon, although the monsoon then was built shortly after. And it's still there, but the yeah. Python Plunge is gone. So here's the thing, though, about the Python Plunge. is So it's, it's, it's four slides, and they're all rafts. And you had to carry your raft up a flight of wooden no, stairs to get there. What genius thought, hey, you know what? Wood stairs, water ride, wet stairs, carrying a 50-pound raft. <laughs> this is a good idea. I waited. It's like, how, how many of these kids, because you know how many kids are on the water slide, right? You know, how many of these kids carrying these damn rafts up these stairs are going to fall down and break something? I wasn't even an adult, and I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> so I get up on the thing, and, and they're sitting there, and they had this wonderful little like roller blades that you, you would roll the raft out onto, and then it would kind of go, and just dump you down into the chute, right? I can't remember that. Okay, so I'm in the slide, and that's my first time, and I, so I'm over here, and I, was, I really wanted to do the two ones, but the line was a lot longer. I was like, well, I'm just going to go down the speed run, and I'm using that with quotation marks. <laughs> so the person running the thing has the little microphone, and they look down at me and go, go. I got lean back and go. Now, it might have been don't lean back. I don't know. So I grab a hold of the, the little ropes on the side of the boat and go, and just as much as I can lean back. You know, lean back into this thing. And I kind of forced the boat into this steel-tipped torpedo shape, right? And the rollers went thunk, and it dumped me down the thing. And I'm going, <laughs> I hit the first hump. And was airborne. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> my life flashed before my eyes. I really thought, honest to God, that I was going to sail out over the park. I saw concrete coming up at me the whole bit. I came down, and I know that I was airborne because of how hard I hit the slide on the second hump. <laughs> <laughs> and cascaded down. On the nexus of the so, second hump. So that whole in-between part, yeah, right over all that. Sean's butt has never touched it. Never, yeah. <laughs> Ever. Hit the, hit the nexus of the second hump, down into the thing. And you know they've got the, the little foam bumper things Both at the bottom down, to slow yeah. you down. <laughs> Through all of that and crashed into the end of the slide. <laughs> 
the operator at the foot of the stage, his eyes were this big, <laughs> like, holy crap. And I got out, and I threw the thing down and went, done. <laughs> I will ride them with tubes on them, because I can't go anywhere. But that was enough to get, put the fear of God into me and go, like, I am done with these. I kind of wish I had rode the speed run now, because I'll tell you what, every time I went up that dang thing, I'd look at the speed run and go, that looks lame. And then I'd go onto the tubes. <laughs> If only I'd have known. If you lean back, <laughs> you can. Look. So when Schlitterbahn announced we're building the world's tallest speed run, I went no. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> there's videos you can find of them testing it without anything over it, and it hits the second hump and grabs. Oh yeah, sandbags flew out of there. They like, had to Nerd. figure out a way to slow it down on the second hump. That seems like a design flaw to me, yeah, really. Oh, yeah, I mean, if, if you yeah. don't figure that out until the testing phase where you've got sandbag <laughs> dummies flying off the... It's well, like, they tested... <laughs> the, no. Those tests were also elsewhere, too, because they built it somewhere else to do initial tests. Also, just the atmospheric conditions in Kansas City. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what the difference was. Well, somehow they... they I'd they, buy they, that. Gravity's <laughs> pull is stronger in Kansas. I, I think they built it, and then had so many problems, they had to... Adjust the slope a little bit by the time they fully built it. Shouldn't there be computer models for that? Shouldn't there? Aren't we at the stage in our 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 amusement park ride design that somebody can go? This is not a good idea. How many people did you uh, send screaming through the air? On All your roller coasters and your water slides on uh, roller coaster tycoon. All of yep. them. <laughs> but when you when the name of your park is Death Trap, computer didn't do any good that time, did it? <laughs> Those were on purpose. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't know. No, 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 no. I don't go to water parks, so <laughs> the likelihood of me going to Schlitterbahn just to ride this thing is very unlikely. <laughs> I would need to be there in the first place to ride it. And then I, I wish I we'd have gone to media day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> A friend of ours did. Yeah. Video and he wrote it twice. Actually, it looked like most people who were on it for Media Day went on it twice. How, how long was the line for me? I don't, I don't know. I think it was because it took two takes. <laughs> well, you screwed up your, your odds of something bad happening. The more time you write it. You're ready. But, oh, uh, you screwed that take up. Got to go again. So we, we, had, we had a good time with that. And then um, came home late night and got home. And uh, then I've watched. What did I watch this week? I've been watching Attack on Titan. Oh, how is that? Um, I know Patrick was a big fan of it's, it. It's getting better. I, I've got this kid. What is that? It, it's, it's, is a, it it's, it's a Japanese anime about this kid at work. He's like, dude, you got to watch Attack on Titan. you got to watch Attack on Titan. I was like, ah, okay. And then it showed up on Netflix. I was like, right, I'll put it in my instant queue, which is kind of as far as I'm willing to commit to anything. It's in the instant queue. You can stop bugging me about it. doesn't mean I'll watch it. It just means it's in the instant queue. So I had like, you know, half an hour to kill. I was like, okay, I'll watch one episode of Attack on Titan. Well, I want to watch them two because it's set in this alternate time or something where there are these gigantic titans, which are skinless humanoid creatures that roam the countryside. And humanity has kind of... Skinless? Skinless, like you can see muscle and and muscles and... And humanity has kind of retreated into these cities behind these giant 50-foot walls. And everything's been kosher for a hundred years, and then all of a sudden, a titan, a big one, shows up and looks over the wall and kicks a hole in it. And all the medium-sized titans, which are like fifteen meters, come pouring into the city and eat people. 
that's their thing is they you know and so the kid who's the main hero of the thing is you know the, the town's collapsing and there's all his mother's trapped under a beam and the house fell on her and this horrible thing and then this titan comes over picks mom up and goes <laughs> breaks her in half like a shrimp kebab and just <laughs> and I'm like what are you getting me to watch here <laughs> What is with this show? But it intrigued me enough. I was like, all right, I'll give it a couple more episodes just to see where you're going with it. So then they, they, they formed this the scout regiment where they've got these grappling hooks that they wear on their hips, and they're gas-propelled, and they kind of go, and they shoot these lines out, and they've all got swords. Because apparently if you attack the Titan in the back of the neck, they actually disintegrate versus everything else which regenerates. Like if you go and stand, cut one arm off, the arm regrows. But if you cut out the section of the neck, they actually do. So like, okay, whatever. I'm confused by the complicated. I'm confused by the physics of this because these people are going and rocketeering across the thing on this grappling hook, and then they'll shoot one sideways. And I'm going, the human body is not going to. Okay, it's an anime. I'll just let it go. <laughs> so I, there are giant skinless titans. Giant skinless titans. I'm concerned about this. So I get to the I don't know. It was the fifth episode, and the titans have attacked the new inner wall of the, the next section of the city. So these raw recruits, including the kid from the first episode. It's like, hey, we get to go defend the city, yay! And they go pouring out there, and they've given you just enough time to get attached to this whole squad, and all of them die. <laughs> all all ten of these characters that you've been getting to know for the last three episodes get maimed, splattered against buildings, eaten, or whatever. And it's like, how long are these episodes? Half hour, twenty six minutes. So. <laughs> The, the, the one kid who's the, the look on he's he's the intelligent one of the group, and this titan grabs him off a rooftop, goes boom, and so he's sliding down the thing's tongue inside his mouth, scrabbling for purchase. The hero shows up, and he wrenches the thing's mouth open, and he's got the sword up here, and he's braced it, and he grabs the kid, and he throws him out of his mouth, and he says something heroic like, I will not die here today, because he's witnessed his mom get eaten, and he's made it his personal mission to kill all of these things. And so it's like, yeah. And at that moment, the Titan goes, and eats him. The hero of the whole show is gone. He's been digested. And I went, and I sent Andy a text. I was like, what are you having me watch? I don't get it. But I'll give it a couple more episodes because I'm curious (laughs) now. Uh, It's at least one season. It's like 26 episodes. 25. It's like, all right, I'll give it another one. See how no word guess on, what? No word on if there's a season two yet. Guess what? What? It won't be in my Insta queue. <laughs> just, Nothing about that sounded good. Well, uh, it didn't sound good to me either, but it's just... Well, you're sure enthusiastically talking about it. <laughs> it's just intriguing enough that I want to know where they're going with it now. Because the, the premise is like, there's giant people that eat people. Eh, that's not enough to get me to watch a show. Oh, they've got these cool... Eh, it's not enough to get me to watch the show. You can put all these elements together. It's not enough to get me to watch it. But there's something about it that's compelling. Well, something got you started. So. He had 30 minutes I to kill. I had 30 minutes to kill. <laughs> it wasn't enough time for something else. So I was like, okay. Um, so I, I've been I've been kind of watching that. And then uh, today I actually watched The Pirates of Penzance. Because I've never seen it. And I can honestly say I still don't I think... the very model of a modern yeah. major general. <laughs> I can honestly say I still don't think I've seen it. <laughs> Did you fall asleep? Oh, wait, what? <laughs> it became background noise. 
I, I really lost focus and just kind of drift off and started doing other things. And let me tell you, Pirates of the A much, much better version of that is the pirate movie with Christy McNichol. See, that's what I, re- I remember. That was an HBO staple. And I yeah, watched yeah. that every single oh, time yeah. it was on. And I loved that one. And I kept yeah. thinking, why was your does this look version familiar? that you were watching today with uh, Kevin Klein? Yes. Yeah. Kevin Klein and Angela Lansbury. And yeah. it should have been great. And I've really come to the conclusion that, and I'm going to get lamblasted for this, for any theater people, I'm sorry. Gilbert and Sullivan write fast dialogue songs, which I like. I like it when you have to rush through a whole mouthful of, you know, stuff. The only good song in that entire musical is I Am a Modern... Uh, I Am a... Well, I Am the Very Modern... I Am very modern, modern, major, modern Major General. General. That's the only good song in the whole musical. Everything else just kind of lays there and sucks. And there's so much dialogue being spewed at you in various keys that I found I really didn't care. <laughs> and it's like, this is Kevin Klein. I like Kevin Klein. I should be all over this. Angela Lansbury, yeah. Didn't care. Not a good movie. But the pirate movie, I remember really, 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 really liking it. Is that what was called? It. The pirate movie? Yeah, it's it was called The Pirate movie. movie. It's, it's pretty much based on the same concept as... I mean, it, it's a twist on The Pirates of Penzance. It's, it's, it follows the same story, but it's modernized music and... Uh, was it? And Christy McNichol. Yeah, Christy. <laughs> oh, I had such a flame for Christy McNichol when I was a kid. I, I, I can remember is that song Puffin' and Blowing. <laughs> Keep puffing, blowing. <laughs> Keep puffing, blowing. <laughs> so it's, it's, the not, and it's, it's the story, but not any of the music, then? No, none of the music. Well, the Modern Major General's in there. Is that yeah, one in there? Yeah, okay. That in there, yeah. Maybe that's why I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, P- P- Penzance is on Netflix now. And I went, oh, cool. And... Yeah. I've seen both. In yeah. fact, I saw Penzance, I think, in college. Um, I think between plays, we watched, we would watch movie versions of plays uh, yeah. just, just to kill time. And while we were waiting on, I don't know, the next rights <laughs> to the next play, I don't know. Anyway, but we that what we do is we... we you got to have that week of well, down. Well, you know, that's just it. <laughs> the, the, the instructor couldn't say, don't come to class today, we don't have anything to do. So, because oh, we had to get yeah. the credit hours, we'd go to class and watch movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I saw that. I hadn't seen pirates. I haven't seen the pirate movie since I was a kid, but I remember bits and pieces of it, and I remember loving it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to see if I can find. I think Willie actually Ames? we have it. Is that work. the other? Which one? Is that the actor Willie Ames, the guy from Blue Lagoon, curly haired kid in Penzance <laughs> or in, in, in uh, pirate, pirate movie? I think it's in pirate movie. Oh, yeah, jeez, no, not in Penzance. Uh, I can't remember that guy's name. Yeah, I. Christopher Atkins. Oh, yeah, that Christopher one. Atkins. Yeah, I get him and Williams mixed up. Yeah, Christopher Atkins. Sure. <laughs> they look similar. So that's what I did this week, and I, I cannot endorse Penzance. <laughs> <laughs> if you tread in water and the something's on the right. That's all I remember. Uh, that song is just, like, coming back to me now. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I really... T- had, Mm. Keep puffing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh. News. Huh? Nothing happened this week, did no, just... yeah, we go again. <laughs> a trailer. Just a trailer. You can watch trailer. the entirety of the pirate Yay. movie on YouTube? You can? That doesn't surprise me. Get well, out. It claims that you can. I don't know if I... Well, you can a lot of them, but you have to rent them. You have to pay. YouTube has its own movie service now. Yeah, yeah. really? Yeah. Well, some YouTube's getting a season six of. Uh, no, that's Yahoo. Uh, oh, is it Yahoo? Yeah, you're right. It's Yahoo. It's not YouTube. Community. Ah, I know the 20th Century Fox logo just came what? up. What? 
You didn't see that news? No. Yeah. Yahoo, Where have you Yahoo been? TV I didn't tell up, you because I figured he told you. What? Yahoo TV picked up uh, Community Season 6. Yay! Now we just got to wait. <laughs> and now like, They never did a Season 5. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> just kidding. Even I know that. <laughs> You're forgetting the gas leak here. No, yes, that's it. <laughs> that still counts. <laughs> and then there's already talks of them for the movie. Well, they said six season of movie. Well, now, now that they've got the sixth <laughs> season, they got to do a movie. That's true. That that just made my night. Yeah, that was like two weeks ago. Wow. You were working. Where have I been? I don't know. Are you sure I went on vacation? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, actually, no. You might have been. Was that the week I was in Omaha? I don't or off remember. In Omaha? Well, I don't remember. Holy cow! I remember Robert and I oh, talking I about it. I missed that. I don't know. It was big news. I'm excited. All right, new trailer. <laughs> new trailer. Actual trailer, not a stupid Real teaser. Real trailer, not a stupid teaser. No, 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 no. First one was a stupid teaser. The second teaser was a good teaser. It was an okay teaser. It was a good teaser. It was an okay teaser. It was a good teaser. Okay. This is a really good trailer. Well, you're, you skipped a teaser. You've we had three, three teasers. teasers. Well, I'm not counting that BBC America one. That was, that was BS. No, no. <laughs> the, the, you mean the first announcement one? Yeah, no. Yeah, with the initial images. Not counting that one. No. Okay. Not counting. That was a stupid teaser. That was a stupid (laughs) teaser. No, that wasn't even BBC America, was it? Or maybe it was. I don't know. No, it was BBC. Whatever that was, that was crap. (laughs) The one with the line of dialogue was okay. Oh, that's right. We had another one. That uh, one wasn't wasn't stupid. It was okay. And then the Dalek one was good. The Dalek one. I forgot about that one, yeah. This one was really good. This one was awesome. The trailer is really good. Doctor Who Into Darkness. <laughs> Twitch. 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 So many people have made the Benedict Cumberbatch joke. I don't know if we need to. Um, Are we sure we don't want to put what do you a colon think? in there? What, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? It makes me really excited. I'll tell you what I'll think in a minute. We'll see what you, I know. I want to see what your impressions are. So, no, I, no I, I, I loved it. I loved it. But I think I, I have a different impression than most people do. I think going into a dark season, I think it's going to be very, very dark. Okay. Um, I don't know about very, very dark, but I think it's going to be darker. Okay. <laughs> We're getting closer to me. Uh, I, I, I like the shots of the aliens. Some nice new designs that we hadn't seen before. Have you? Did you see, besides the Dalek, did you see anything come no. back? Nothing. Not dinosaur. We know, we know, oh, that that shot was pretty awesome. That doesn't count, well, but that, that was awesome. Well, that's, I'm not counting our core characters and not counting uh, the Cybermen that we saw in a picture, for a set picture. Yeah, there's no other... I love that the trailer was all... Br- Did you notice anything else about those monsters? Notice anything else about those monsters at all? Not anthropomorphized. None of them! <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe they're starting to hear me. <laughs> ah, Glenn's right. We're not being very creative, are we? All right, stepping up our game. Step. At least that- until one of them takes off the helmet. And then well, they've got the head of a fly. Oh, it's like- <laughs> The shot of the T-Rex. <laughs> I don't know what it was about that. That just got, got the biggest squee out of me. Out of the entire trailer. Because it was Invasion of the Dinosaurs. It's like, <laughs> that's what it was supposed to look like! <laughs> I, and I didn't notice I it. seem speechless about this. Come on, this is exciting stuff. I've got the pirate movie on, so... Oh, okay. I, I, didn't, I didn't notice it until somebody pointed <laughs> it out in the breakdown. <laughs> I like the subtle changes to the TARDIS. The orange the interior orange. instead of green. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Well, we noticed that something in... something I didn't uh, like about the, uh, like that last half of the season was, yeah, it was a nice, new, cool design, but it was so dark and so antiseptic almost. And this, just changing the rotor to orange just gives it such a warmer feeling. It, it, is, it, it is warmer. Uh, it that's funny it. because I don't think that's what they're going for, warmer. I think they're going for eerier. I think they're but, going for, yeah. uh, not eerier, but... See, I think um, the blue makes it eerier. It, it makes it feel more, more alien. Yeah. 
um, not not warm. I, I I think it makes it look warmer, but I don't think that's what they're going for. I think uh, ominous. Yeah, ominous. There, there you go. go. That's what yeah. they're making it. Yeah, because it's that you know not quite red, but uh-huh. right. That's but what I, that's what I think is it. I I agree. I don't know about warm. Uh, but I think we're going for the, a more ominous feel. I think the orange just works better in that environment than the blue does. More than anything else. Yeah. Well, here's my here's my thing. Give us your take. Okay. We're dying well, to know. <laughs> I absolutely love the trailer. I'm so very excited. I think the Capaldi looks great. I here's here's what I want to say to those people. There are the, the first thing I saw after this trailer came was all of the people, and the first thing they said, oh, they're going really dark this season. They're going to go really, really dark. In fact, you even gave it a two-release. They're going to go really, really dark. I can't believe they're going dark. They're going so dark. This is really good. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it's just going to completely change the dichotomy of Doctor Who, and it's not the Doctor Who that we're, that. that we're used to, and blah, 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 blah. And, and there's people who are excited about that. Oh, yeah, look how dark it's going to get. Dark, 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 dark. Everything's dark, 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 dark. Here's what's happening, guys. Yes, they're taking a slightly darker approach because it's a slightly darker character. It's slightly dark. It's still going to be the Doctor Who that we know. Yeah. This is a trailer designed to get you intrigued and interesting. It, it makes- and for the people that are excited about darkness, yes. We're going to go a little dark, and we're going to explore some darker themes. For the people that are saying it's going to be totally different, no. no it's, it's going not. to be an easy transition into a new Doctor with some darker themes. Some, some I even hate to use the word dark in this thing. Some, a little more shadow to it. Let's put it that way. It's not going – they're not going to do this. Just incre- incredible plunge to darkness that they're trying to make you think in the trailer. Well, the dialogue – Definitely makes people think that. That's just it. They you they plucked out some dialogue in this in order to make this whole mood of this trailer that is really going. It sets the mood for what the season's going to be, but it's not. It, it, I think people are going way too far with this. It's not going to be this incredibly dark season. This incredibly dark doctor. It's it's it, it, it's going to be shadowier. They're going to think <clears throat> probably tackle some darker themes. Because we have a different style, Doctor, we're not getting a David Tennant or a Matt Smith who were very up, bouncy, jovial, fun, witty. We're going to get, I think we're going to still get a lot of the humor that we've had for the last, what is it, 2005, nine years with the new Who. And we're going to get a lot of the same clever stories. We're going to get a lot of intrigue. We're going to get all, all of that will feel the same. Well, let's not forget. But we're going to change this the, the tone a bit of the, well, of and this, it, of it, the series. It, it comes across like we're going to be switching our attention back to the Doctor, kind of like how we did in, when it started in Series 1. <clears throat> a lot more attention was on the Doctor than the companion. There was kind of more mystery surrounding him, I guess. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're building this I'll on. I'll give you mystery. And yeah. so, in, com- in comparison to the rest of the other seasons, Series 1 is somewhat darker than the other ones. So, I, I, it kind of has that same, we're going to explore the Doctor more, so there's going to be a slightly darker tinge to it. And that's where I, the other problem that I have is a, a lot of the people that were trying to defend the darkness of this, is they kept saying, well, look at Christopher Eccleston's season. He was a very dark Doctor. Christopher Nine wasn't any darker than anybody else. He was a little more mysterious, I think. 
but that doesn't mean dark. He was a bit more and somber. You, you just said it, mysterious, and I'm glad you mysterious you, you and did somber that. because he wasn't as jokey. He That's wasn't Tigger Doctor. <laughs> he wasn't young, bouncy, fun Doctor. He was just more mysterious and i think yeah. you're exactly right that's kind of going the, back to the mystery. that's the turn we're taking and i and i well, and i think everybody just needs to relax take the trailer for what it is and enjoy the ride it's a trailer we don't know anything yes, about it. exactly here's here's the thing let's keep in mind that for, for and, I, and, and i agree that i think capaldi will play him a little more serious yes not necessarily dark but a little more mysterious a little more straightforward a little more this i still think we're going to get those light moments and let's not forget his first line was I've got new like kidneys. I don't yeah. like the color. So you, you know the humor's still and there. Do you know how to fly this? <laughs> yeah, I mean so the, the humor's still going to be there. It's still going to be that. We're just going to go in a different day. Now, <clears throat> I do think what this trailer heralds is, in my mind, a fairly significant end to Matt Smith's um, feel. Yeah, I like flavor. Sure, we'll go. With I that. would agree with that. Yeah. Um, for, for the same reason that that's a calculated move. Yeah, oh, yeah. For, for the same reason that Pertwee's is a much different feel for the show than what came before, yeah. and that I'm sorry, I think you know for for each you know season of the old school doctors that we've had a different take on it. I think we've kind of had our run with with Russell T Davies and what he was doing, and I think. Moffat came in specifically with Matt Smith and kind of wrote the show a certain way. Um, and, and we had a lot of the, the fairy tale and the happy ending and, and that kind of stuff. And I think this is supposed to be a concentrated move away from that. It's still Doctor Who. It's still going to maintain all those things that we like about it. And it's still going to feel like a new show or new series. But I think this is a, a, a marked departure from the Matt Smith years. Yeah. And I think it's done on purpose. And I, Again, I don't think it's going to be darker, per se, but I think no. it's just going to be different. It's going to so. be different. That's exactly right. So everybody just calm down. <laughs> Even the people that are super excited about going dark, calm down. <laughs> probably not going to be as dark as it's you think. It's probably not going to be going where this trailer purports that it's going. So Now, having said all of that, compared to what we talked about last week with the teaser, way more Daleks than I thought we were going to get. <laughs> yeah, but I knew there would be. Really? I said that last week. You, you guys you were going, nah, I don't know, there might be a Dalek episode. I don't know. I, it's, it's definitely not Davros. Well, I said that. But and it's, uh, you know, it, I, I don't think it's going to be a Dalek season. I think it'll just be a Dalek episode. And I was going, no, there's going to be more Daleks. I still think it's only going to be a Dalek episode. There's not going to be more than well, one likely, episode. Likely, but I think there'll be a Dalek undertone, too, perhaps. Daleks versus dinosaurs. Yes. Oh, can't wait till you guys read. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I want to move on to next week so that we can review um, Ripple Effect. Can't wait till you read it. Is the right. mirror of the Dalek eye stalks look a little different? A little bit. Like the actual eye part? A little bit. Maybe the, the weird humanoid ones because it's such an extreme close up. We don't know what's on the other end of it. Maybe. I don't know. Just you mean the little converts that have the ones coming out yeah. of their head? That the picture of the it's not that close. You know, you can't tell. You're probably you right. <laughs> you're probably right. But I can't sit and analyze something like that because we've had Dalek design change for yeah, fifty years. <laughs> the biggest one being Paradigm <laughs> Daleks, but which we where don't. we did analyze and go, wow, why did they choose that design? Which we don't see in any of those in the no, trailer. No, no, no. I think they learned the lesson on that one. 
You know what's funny is I, I realized this looking at Dalek Bob. That throughout all of classic Who, with the exception of Special Weapons Dalek, other than the color, I never noticed that they were really all that different. I really had pay attention. Yeah, years ago I did. The either. little ear bobs were slightly different elevations or Longer, sizes, or you know, whatever. Or even the, the the shape of them. Yeah, until new series, and then they were like, you know, the very definitive. Yeah. Almost cone Dixie cups. <laughs> yeah, Dixie cups on top of this. <laughs> and I went, wow, they really changed the design of the docks. And then as we have gone back and watched those, I was like, man, they're different in every episode. <laughs> they are. They, they're they really, are. you know, something fell off. And they went, well, now we have to redesign all of them, glue these on, and make them look different, you <laughs> yeah. know, so that they changed. Um, until Paradigm. But yeah. I think the Cybermen, this wasn't in the episode, but I think the Cybermen looked very. Similar to what we saw in Nightmare. I don't Did think they changed at all. Yeah, it didn't look like they changed at all to me. Because it looked they were the same as they were. It looked the same as Time of the Doctor too. Aside, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Other than that, other than one was wooden. But <laughs> if I remember correctly, we saw silver ones too. Yeah, so, we did. I believe. I believe. And they were the same design. I think that's just kind of going to be kind of the gold, that's, like the gold Dalek from here on yeah. out. That's what we get. For a while, anyway. So there's that. <laughs> they got two redesigns. Alex um, got two redesigns, and they went back to the first one. What got two? Oh, you mean in the new series? Yeah. Okay. They redesigned say. them when they came back. The Cybermen got lots more redesigns than that. No, yeah, in the new series. <laughs> okay. Bringing them back. Right. The Daleks got one, and then they changed it later, aside from colors. Yeah. And yeah. then went back. You know what I'd like to see? <laughs> and not counting Emperor. J- 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 just for fun. Just for fun. I want to see an episode that's set way, way, way in the future. Super future, and the Cybermen. Oh, the super future, super future, <laughs> the more powerful future. The, the Cybermen show up, and they're the ones from that postcard that are like nine feet tall and super slender. And you, there's no person in there at all. It's just like maybe a bag of organs, and the rest of it's in. You know, it's like General Grievous. Yeah, you'd have to do them. Yeah, you'd have to do them all CG. But I think that would be like a really cool that all of a sudden these giant towering robots show up, and everybody goes, "What are these?" And I was like, "Oh, they're Cybermen." And everybody goes, "Oh." What? Because they don't look anything like what have come before. And then go back to the normal, you know. <laughs> you have to really establish, though, that it's super future. Super future. <laughs> Just so that nobody... Do you put a cape on it to kind of differentiate? Yeah, okay. you know. S's on their chest. S's. Just so that nobody gets confused when the regular Cybermen show up the next, you know, and they're like, what happened to the, the you know... Well, that was super future. That was super future. Oh. And only one batch, and we defeated them. <laughs> Ah, so new trailer generated more excitement for us. So just a few weeks left, guys. Yes. There's like an official countdown clock that you can download. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You can. All right. And then uh, <laughs> I get so frustrated. This next piece of news. I think I, think I saw this uh, labeled as leak gate. <laughs> so while most of us have been enjoying... <laughs> A trailer for the new series. Some people enjoyed a rough cut of deep of deep breath. You almost said deep throat, didn't you? I almost said deep cut for some oh, reason. Oh, okay. Deep cut. Deep cut. <laughs> yes, this follows the leak of the scripts that were. So we reported last week that apparently there was video material on the server, and they were able to access it. They did, <laughs> but it's from what I've seen, it's a black and white copy. With no special effects. I'm stealing some ear. Yeah, that's and so at all. So, 
It's complete in duration, but locks a lot of special effects shots and has a placeholder title sequence. So it doesn't have the official opening credits. That's what I was going to tell you guys. Did you see that? The fan made? Yeah, the no. fan made that they think might be I the real one. I stopped watching those. It's cool. Oh, I'll go back once we see the actual <laughs> opening credits and then go see all the fan-made ones. Just, those, okay, if, those were neat. Well, the, the reason is because as part of this whole thing came out that supposedly the, the, the title place card that's in the, the leaked episode says something about the opening title, blah, 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 based on so-and-so's design. Well, this is so-and-so's design that came out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's not spoiler enough for me to not be intrigued enough to watch that. Because, you know, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Oh, the opening terrorist sequence, which is fan-made, but might be the real one. Okay, I'll watch that. <laughs> How many of those have we had where well, yeah, they we didn't had a say it was fan-made? It was really cool. I like it. As different as the end of last seasons were with the star fields and nebulas and all that kind of stuff is how different this one is from that. It's really cool looking. I need to ask my mom about that. She's now into Bells of St. John. So I meant to ask her what she thinks of the new opening title sequence. Hmm. But, um, yeah, it's cool. Leak. Leak. Sorry, we were talking I'm about I'm not even leak. commenting on this because last week I lambasted the BBC for being idiots and I just... This makes them look even dumber. Well, here's... I mean... Th- th- it's not a new leak. It's, it's the, same, no, the like, same leak. It makes them look dumber, though. Now that this is out... Well, I don't... I think it was all part of the same thing, and it just hadn't been tracked down yet. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. Absolutely. But now, not only did I find out that there were five scripts residing on the server, now I find out that they actually still had... They also had video on the server as well. But we knew that last week. We Idiots. just didn't know if anybody had taken it. Idiots. And they're Which, why wouldn't they if they took trailer or the script? I mean, you, you, you guys get stuff from yeah, NBC, absolutely. right? Absolutely. So. Idiots. It's the unsecure part of it that is idiotic. We don't get unfinished things from NBC. <laughs> Ever? <It's> true. <laughs> no. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. I, well, I, I have to admit, I'm a little perplexed. I'm thinking about, about the. From start to finish, how you, you, you make a television show and then get it on the air and promote it, and then it actually airs. And at no step in there can I think of a reason why you would need to send an unfinished episode. Translation. Yeah. Black and D- white. Dubbed. Translation. Translation dubbed. So they could dub it. So they could dub it. Oh, specifically so they could dub or, it? Or, or subtitle it. Yeah. yeah. Even though they don't have the whole thing? I often did uh, uh, closed captioning for Tough Grit without having a, uh, have, doing a rough cut of the episode. Now, granted, it didn't go out on some server somewhere. I was in Dave's house on his server that nobody else had access to, but I was sitting there closed captioning rough cuts quite frequently. Because you, you would need the audio there to make sure that what they say is actually what's the script. Because if what they say is different from the script, oh, you, you, could, you, could, you couldn't close they, caption or dub a script if they changed a line. Yeah. Okay. That's why they're there. That's why they're there. All right, well. That can't be helped then. <laughs> no, they just need a secure they server. Need a, they need a better, a better security system. That's, that's the problem with it. They Mr. McKittrick, this. after careful consideration, <laughs> I've come to the conclusion your new defense system sucks. <laughs> Uh, so we continue our plea of don't spoil us. Yeah. 
Uh, well, nay, nay. <laughs> nay, nay. Nay, uh, Was it last week that we talked about uh, Doctor Who Comic Day? We did. We well, have details we, on that? We have some more details on it. Um, there's going to be a Doctor Who comic presence at San Diego Comic Con. Woohoo! Which Doctor Who itself isn't going to be there, so it's nice that this is going to be there. Uh, there's going to be a signing at the Titan booth at... San Diego Comic Con on Friday. On Saturday, another uh, another artist will be there signing copies of store variants. Uh, and then there's going to be a panel, including a writer, an artist, a cover artist, and a comics editor discussing the stories and the storylines. And there's supposed to be an exclusive video surprise at the panel. Hopefully they'll release that online too afterwards. Uh... And then more signings afterwards. And then there's also going to be an off-site event in uh, California at Kamikaze Comic Store uh, where more people who worked on it will be there to sign autographs and uh, for variance covers. Cool. So that's kind of what they're doing. There's no word on if there's going to be more nationwide co- uh, celebrations other than the uh, California one. So at least there's a bit more Doctor Who presence at San Diego well, than think, we thought. I think we realized that there would be a significant presence. I think we just we just knew there wasn't going to be a panel. Not panel. from the BBC. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing official. Well, there's going to yeah. be a BBC table booth still, but yeah. Um, this doesn't give any information for what Doctor Who Day Across America is going to be, though. This is just the San Diego? This is just the San Diego one. Okay. So no word on if there's going to be more to that or if this is what they meant. Okay. Okay. And there's going to be four different variant covers. That's a lot of covers. Yeah. That's a lot of covers. I really don't care about variant covers. <laughs> I like to I like to look at them online when they put them out there, but I'm going to run and collect. I, I don't them, want honey. the special variant covers, like exclusive variant covers. I like the I like to have a choice between the variant covers, like the Serenity, uh, Lease in the Wind. There were they did two lines consistently. Every comic store got multiple copies of both covers. I like to choose which one I got. Because I was able to stay consistent, too. I can see that. I prefer to see what's inside. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, what, the cover I chose didn't match the inside anim- drawings. Oh, is that right? <laughs> and went for the more artsy. That happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, also in the news, we had talked about a classic Doctor Who DVD compendium <clears throat> that will be coming out. We now have a release date of August 4th, 2014, both in the UK and the US. Uh, uh, you can get it on Amazon, on print, and as an ebook. It's going to be 436 pages. So we'll list out every single DVD and every single supplementary release on each DVD. So a, a nice little cross reference for collectors. Okay, so wait. <laughs> it's going to list Caves of Adrazani. Uh huh. And then it'll say Caves of Edradani Special Edition. Is that what I'm understanding? That it's going to list each subsequent release of that same title? Probably under one heading. Right, but I mean, it's just Caves it's going to. And then it'll have standard release, special release. But it's going to break edition. down like what bonus features are on them and everything as well. Impression I get. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and there's also going to be five appendices covering supplementary releases. Uh, That'll all be new, Caesar, new series. <laughs> and 
we'll then we broke it in all half the and sold East, it. Then we'll give all the Easter eggs for every disc. Oh, that's kind of cool. Well, yeah. No. It is cool to have it all there in a book. There's websites all over the internet that have yeah. all of the same yeah. information. So but this it's will, cool to th- have this that will give it all nice to you bound version to put on your shelf, but this will give it all to you spoiler free. <laughs> so if you're avoiding <laughs> if you're avoiding spoilers, going to the websites can give you spoilers. That's true. That's, That's a good point. True. Okay. I'll buy that for a dollar. I, I, I might buy that for ten. <laughs> So is there a price on it? Uh, Not yet. Say ten dollars. Say ten dollars. <laughs> say ten dollars. <laughs> let me let me do a look on see if I can find it. Or we could move on to the next one. <laughs> Go ahead and move on to the next one while I look it up. Okay. What is the next one? Next one is um, oh uh, regenerate who the Doctor Who celebration, which is a convention. That is going on in, and I'm not prepared yet because I got this wrong on me on oh. in the East Coast. Okay, there is uh, there is no price point yet. That's the wrong email. So I'm assuming they will release a price very soon since it's coming out August fourth. Um, Maryland, <laughs> Hunt Valley, Maryland. A major three-day Doctor Who convention, March 27th through the 29th of 2015. And they've already confirmed Colin Baker, the Sixth Doctor, is going to be there. And uh, one of our uh, five-ish fangirls ladies already has tickets, if I remember seeing that correctly. (laughs) She's already pre-ordered or something. In Maryland? Yeah. Who lives close enough to Maryland? Uh, Who's the Sixth Doctor fanatic? Rachel. Rachel. Rachel, sure. Rachel apparently she's going has to Maryland. Like she's going to see him again. That's not like. I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised myself, but okay. One of them. Michelle. Maybe no. I'm pretty sure. It was see, Rachel. I haven't listened to this week's show. Yet. I haven't listened to this week's show either. Sorry, girls. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Rachel. Correct us if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, how far is Maryland from? Uh, it might oh. be as far as Chicago for her, as far as driving. So maybe. Okay, mm-hmm. well, it's about yay for Good on you, Rachel. <laughs> Picks or it didn't happen. <laughs> and we'll bring you uh, more information as we get it. Uh, we should say this. The programming will feature autographs and photo shoot opportunities, deep discussions of both new and old TV shows, books, audio dramas, viewings of both common and rare Doctor Who videos, scavenger hunts, cosplay, cosplay contests, Judged by the actors, so that's that'd be neat. And extensive vendors' room artist giveaways and plenty of surprises. Tickets available at their uh, website, uh, regenerationwho.com. We Pre-registration price seventy dollars for the full weekend up through March eighth, which is about average for a con. So that's pretty. That's actually pretty good. And we will uh, mm-hmm. post that link on the internet or on the internet on, in on our website it's in the in show notes. That's not a rating period. Probably the same weekend as. Planet Con. Probably. Just gonna th- oh, and it's, not gonna- that, it's not that close to my sister either. Well, I guess it's an hour away. It's, close it's the Rachel same is. date. <laughs> it's not that close. It's in Maryland. Yeah, but Maryland's bigger than you think. No, it isn't. If you well, okay, if you went That's around the, the horn, bigger than maybe. you think. Oh. <laughs> and the traffic is what's so bad about it. The border of every single highway, bigger on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> But you're right, it probably is. Uh, it's still Maryland. It's closer yeah. than you are now. It's true. 
We could go stay. It's there an and... hour away from your sister. You know what? It's two and a half hours to Wichita, and you'd drive that in a heartbeat. That's like going to Kansas City yeah. Comic Con from here. Yeah. All right. What's next on the news? Uh, there has been a fan trailer made, a Lego tribute to the 50th anniversary. We posted it to our website. If you have not watched it, go and watch it right now. And it looks really good. They did a really good job really good with it. Nice it was fun. I'm impressed by the, the how they were able to cobble together the Lego pieces to make all of the Doctors. Because they didn't go and get the character options. They used legit Legos. And the sets, I thought, were really impressive. Who had the hair? Somebody None of my it. Legos have tenants' hair. <laughs> Ever. Oh, there's all kinds of different <clears throat> heads. You Maybe it's been a while since I bought Legos. So I don't know. Yeah. All right, and, so a, and actually, Legos is an incorrect term. It's Lego. Lego. It's Lego. Yeah. Lego building blocks, Lego. if you want to get specific. Although I think they may have backed off from that. Because it was one of those things everybody was calling them Legos, so they just went, okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, the, it's like most words that kind of get bastardized, but then you just kind of accept it. Yeah. Like Walmarts. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. All right, let's move on to feedback. <laughs> feedback. First up is Holly. She writes, 185, have you met my friend Sarah Jane Smith? My Sarah Jane, our Sarah Jane. Hey guys, great last episode. Thanks, Holly. What to say about Sarah Jane and Liz Sladen? I'm a bit of a loss of how to put it into words. I guess I can sum it up as this. Both are fantastic, brilliant, insert whatever adjective your choice to describe them. I loved watching Sarah Jane Smith's stories unfold on screen with many incarnations of the Doctor through laughter and tears and alien demonic possessions. Sarah Jane always manages to not let things phase her too much, and it takes things and takes things in stride, even though it may be quite hard at times to do so. Liz did a great job of portraying Sarah Jane, and I couldn't imagine anyone else to play the part of Sarah Jane. I don't know if I brought it up before, but her autobiography, Liz Sladen, Elizabeth Sladen, the autobiography, is quite worth the read. Though I do have some tissues handy for near the end. I'll wrap it up here because I'm sure there's more feedback to be had. Looking forward to hearing what everyone has to say about Sarah Jane Smith and Liz Sladen, Ollie from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Ollie. You guys haven't read the autobiography, right? Uh-uh. I have not. No. I read the foreword. You need tissues just for that. Oh, it's, it's the one written by, right. David, uh, by David Tennant. Yeah. <laughs> I felt silly sitting in Brits reading that and... Trying to sniff back tears. Aww. This is pretty short. It made me want to read the rest of the book, too. It's... Not to sound cold, but it's interesting that somebody who has come to Sarah Jane so late in the game... Oh, yeah. Someone that didn't grow up with her. That didn't grow up with her. Still has that reaction. And, 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 you know really I think crystallizes how how much part of the Who family that that she was. How much how big of a role she plays in the entire series. Yeah. Yeah. Up next in feedback is Chrissy. Before we get too much more somber. (laughs) Which? The first one. 
chronologically. Chronologically. Our Sarah Jane. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Title would have been. <laughs> I'm not asking for much here. <laughs> Chrissy writes Dear Vortex Boys, Gwen, it's okay. Embrace your inner shipper. Come join the dark side. We have cookies. I can't believe I forgot to mention last week, but huge congrats on the Parsec nomination. Seriously, that is incredible. I don't know how voting goes, but if there's a fan voting component, let us all know so we can go stuff the ballot box in your favor. So as soon as we find out, post the links. Vote early, vote often. <laughs> I do have a rhetorical question to put out there. Rhetorical. Okay. What is up with the Spanish-speaking TV market? Last month, Spanish dub episodes of the... Sorry, I just... I didn't, I didn't know where she was going with that. It took me a minute, does Telemundo! <laughs> well, you see, Chrissy, it's really weird. <laughs> um, last month, Spanish dub episodes of the new season of The Legend of Korra were leaked from their Latin American division... And now BBC Worldwide loses scripts and a full episode of Doctor Who from their Latin America offices. Good grief. Someone's got to get a security policy written up in Spanish or something. All joking aside, the BBC handled the 50th anniversary simulcast without so much as a hitch last year. But when it comes to a regular season premiere, they're leakier than the Titanic after the iceberg hit. What the heck happened? I had three jokes for, 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 for this event. Um, and I'll be honest, I was distracted by the pirate movie, and so I forgot to launch into them when we were talking about it. <laughs> Chrissy stole one of them. That the, we 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 have more more leaks here than the Titanic. Or if you if you are more of a a, a health nut, the, the joke could be there are more leaks in the in the uh, in the Latin American British uh, BBC division than there are on a uh, a Greek salad. <laughs> or. <laughs> See if I can remember the last one now. Uh, for for the, the current events version of the joke would be, there are more holes in the BBC uh, Lat Latin division than there are in Argentina's soccer defense. <laughs> so or Brazil. Or Br I feel Brazil? like they should be adding in some sort of... Did I say Argentina? Argentina lost, oh, too. No, they both, they both but lost. But Brazil lost big, though. Yeah, it was Brazil. Lost I screwed up the joke. Take your pick and... Yeah. Take your pick and insert it there. Too bad the Brazilian would have been good. <laughs> Dang it. So close. Chrissy and I are on the same wavelength. Uh, I'll be 100% honest and upfront here. I do not want to write this feedback this week. But I'm going to do it because these things need to be said. In the meantime, I have Frozen playing off to the side in case I get too sad while I work on this and need something cheery to focus on for a while. The first time I saw Sarah Jane Smith in Doctor Who was when I got to school reunion. And it was when I was watching New Who from the beginning. I knew next to nothing about Sarah Jane or Elizabeth Slayton. But the doctor's reaction to meeting up with Sarah Jane again told me all that I needed to know about the character. This was someone very special to the doctor. And as such, she would be special to me as a fan of the show. Or maybe it was David Tennant's excitement at getting to work with Liz. Either way, it works. Every interview or DVD commentary with Liz showed how much she loved playing Sarah Jane and working on Doctor Who. Beyond that, though, she just always seemed like a super classy, sweet lady. All of the stories of fans meeting her at conventions tell of a kind of humble person, 
someone who was always honored to meet people who loved her work on Doctor Who, even though the fans were probably were nervous and a little awkward about meeting the great Sarah Jane Smith. When Liz passed, part of me was sad because she was gone and that it was so sudden. But another part of me was sad because I would never get the chance to meet her. I mean, at that point, I hadn't been to Galley or any convention yet, so I didn't have any idea where or when I'd get a chance to ever meet her. But I felt like meeting her would have been such a treat. Even though I didn't grow up watching Doctor Who and I only learned about Sarah Jane relatively recently, I still feel like she was an important part of my life. So thanks for doing this special tribute episode. Oh, wow. That took me long enough. They're running away from Elsa's giant snow monster now. (laughs) Well, you have a great week, and I'll talk to you later. Chrissy. Later turned out to be much quicker than I think even she implied. Just just in case, I've got got that on standby if we need to cheer up. Oh, okay. Okay. Apparently it worked for Chrissy. You should just pull out uh, the Olaf song. It's a bit cheery. Oh, it is cheery. It go. I don't know. That goes cheery. I don't want to let go. It's, it's inspiring. Go with it's inspiring now. It's inspiring. See, I thought Let It Go was a little, disu- uh, uh, not disappointing, but um, depressing. Depressing? That's not depressing at all. Well, it's, it's, no, she's ready to take charge and change her life. Let it go. Let it go. Can you do that one more time? Let it go, let it go. You're right, I, I feel suddenly better. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to lie, it worked. Uh, all right. Chrissy thought of some more feedback to write in. Oh, am I taking that one, too? Well, I was taking a break this week. <laughs> okay. Okay. Usually, read usually that's how we do it. Okay. <laughs> the pirate movie's on. <laughs> Doctor Who into darkness. No Dear colon. Fo- no colon. <laughs> Dear Vortex Boys, that's not a dig at your uh, grammar uh, or punctuation there, Chrissy. That's a, a whole other joke. That's got to be our episode title for Deep Breath. When we review Deep Breath. No colon. Doctor Who. No colon. How's it going to do Doctor Who into darkness? Oh, okay. Dear With Vortex Boys. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Uh, I thought I'd write some quick follow-up feedback since I wrote that first piece before the trailer of Series 8 was released. I kind of like recording on Tuesdays because I feel like we're getting more news, more topically, more currently. That's the only thing I like about recording on Tuesdays. I'm really not a fan of this. It's throwing my whole week. Ironically, we would have had the trailer in time. What would we have? If we would have gotten it on Sunday, release it on, wasn't it Saturday? Or was it Sunday it was afternoon? Weekend, yeah. It was sometime this weekend, so yeah. we still would have got it before we recorded it I don't on know, Sunday. This is, we, we always lament the fact that, well, Monday they announced this, and I feel like for some reason we've just been really fortuitous the last couple of weeks that we've been doing it later, but that's the only thing I like. <laughs> anyway, um, thought I'd write some quick follow-up feedback since I wrote the first piece before the trailer for Series 8 was released. Holy, period. Cow, period. I love Series 8 already. I love the darker tone that it seems to be taking. I know it's become kind of a trite cliche to talk about how Peter Capaldi is being a much darker doctor than what we've had before. I don't know. Eccleson was pretty dark, too. (laughs) (laughs) I think the word you're looking for is mysterious. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how Clara reacts to the doctor's new persona. I mean, she had fun with Eleven because he had that big goofball personality. But it doesn't look like we'll be getting that much from Twelve. As much as I love the fairy tale tone of Eleven's era, I think this dark and mysterious take will come as a welcome change. 
which just goes to show yet again how unique Doctor Who is. How many other shows can you say actually benefit from such a radical tonal shift? Most of the time you say the show has jumped the shark or it's trying too hard to be something that it's not. But these kinds of changes are right in line for what Doctor Who has done for years. Even the music in the trailer is so very different from anything New Who has done. I don't know if you've even noticed that. But I just remembered when the series went from RTD to Moffat, one of the first things I noticed being different was the music. How much that set the stage for what kind of show it was going to be and what kind of doctor we were going to have. So I paid attention to the music in the trailer. And yes, the difference is very noticeable. Personally, I'm ready for Scary Doctor. Let's see what they've come up with for this. Chrissy. Sorry about the bad pun in the subject line. (laughs) I couldn't resist. (laughs) So she was aware that there was no call in there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy. And I, I, I think musically, I, 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 I have to go back and just listen to it without watching it. But for me, the music was just trailer music. I didn't really pay any attention to it at all. It won't me be either. until, and I assume we'll get it in deep breath, that we get what I'm going to call Peter Capaldi's theme <laughs> until we have a title for it, like I Am the Doctor. Because I know we won't hear I Am the Doctor. I'm, I'm kind of oh, hoping... No. That, uh, we better not. I'm hoping that's been retired with, with Matt Smith mm-hmm. and that whatever Capaldi's theme winds up being... That the only thing that I think work, That'll be what I latch on to. Carry over would be Clara's theme. Yeah, I that's can see that. That's kind of fairy tale music from Series 7 and a half. Yes, that song. That's Clara's theme. Which is, it's funny you say fairy tale because I hear it and I think music box, but... Well, close. Yeah. I'm a journalist, Sarah Jane Smith. All right, well, shall we move into the subject of this week's show, which is a celebration, celebration. of the life of Elizabeth Sladen and her role as Sarah Jane Smith. Yay. Yay. Well, that's it for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, well, I don't know where to start. Except for that, I miss her tremendously. And that's the, the strange thing about this, because as I, I mentioned last week, the Sarah Jane Adventures, they're really not, I'm not their target. And they weren't things that I really rushed out to see. And even after the passing of Elizabeth Sladen, I still didn't feel compelled to run out there and see them, you know, as a, I'm missing my Sarah Jane or I'm missing Elizabeth Sladen in any such way. Um, but I'm, so glad that they exist because it was something beyond Doctor Who that gave those of us that were Sarah Jane fans something, just a little bit more. Even if it wasn't something I ran out to get, they were always out there that I knew that I would go to and get to someday. Kind of like so, Canine and Company. Yeah, so I, well, so I was very grateful for the fact that they were there. Um, the strange thing about that sort of thing is is that Still in my mind, even with those, the Elizabeth Sladen, Sarah Jane Smith that I just raced to immediately is that season in Tom Baker's era. Even though she was around for the end of the John Pertwee era and and, and has a good catalog of, of, of stories with him, just the Sarah Jane that I met was the Sarah Jane that was with the Fourth Doctor when I met the Fourth yeah. Doctor and when I met Harry Sullivan. And so that'll always be just kind of my, my, my nexus for Sarah Jane, where I came to her to it with. And um, 
wonderful companion. I've I always I've always marveled at how well Elizabeth Sladen played that character because while it was no stretch uh, among the boundary of of acting ability, she was always very grounded in that part. And I always I think a lot of that was owed to the relationship between Sarah and the Doctor. And I think that 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 formulated the character well, but I think that she kind of gave it that little gravitas that, that, that it needed to kind of be this girl next door that was traveling with a doctor, but very headstrong, independent woman, journalist, renowned journalist now. <laughs> and, and that top idea. Journalist. Top journalist, yes. I think she was always renowned. Yes, top journalist. Top yeah. journalist. Um, so that character was always very intriguing to me. And I always thought, I, I find it interesting now looking back on retrospect, is that I was, as a young boy, was able to... I never had one of these like crushes on her. There were other actresses that I had crushes on, but for different reasons. But I never had like a crush on her, but I always kind of associated with her. Probably because of her relationship with the Doctor. And I think I always thought I would love to have that kind of relationship with the Fourth Doctor. Because I would, I just, I'd love and the I'd be like that so with the yeah, doctor. exactly, doctor. exactly. Yeah. And so I've always, I always liked that aspect of her character and the way that that Liz played it. Um, some great moments. I mean, I, I, I absolutely. I mean, some of the best stories are the Elizabeth Sladen years, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you guys I know agree. I absolutely love Pyramids of Mars. It's one of my all-time favorites. Love Genesis of the Daleks. Hand of Fear is a very strong story, although that is kind of her swan song. Initially, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Initially, it is initially. a strong um, Very, very strong story. Um, Zygons, I think, is a, is a is a great story. I would throw uh, Ark in Space in there. Ark in Space, is a great story. I think, I think that story. is my favorite Sarah Jane story. I don't know why what it is about that. I think part of it is just that moment in the shaft. Yeah, that, that's just what I was going to say. Those th- that's the best story for. Uh, Sarah Jane and the Doctor moments—they're yeah. just enjoyable, quippy moments. And 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 Sean touched on this, and I don't—I don't want to steal your thunder here. Not if you want to recap it, but you touched on the fact that there was almost this kind of alienness and this this pay tension between the two. And it wasn't until that confrontation in the in the air shaft, as you, as you pointed out, that it really felt like they clicked, and she realized that this is the man that you know I started this journey with, you know, and and they, and, they, and the relationship really. Kind of solidified and got better from there on out. Um, even even Attack of the Cybermen, I think, is attack, revenge. revenge. Yeah, I get those two mixed up. Revenge of the Cybermen. I even think in that point where we're, Sarah really feels like her only connection really is Harry Sullivan, and not even so much because she's been with the Doctor longer. She'd only been with Harry um, when they were inter- well, not necessarily introduced, but when they were brought together in robot yeah but she really seems to have more of a connection with harry in that sense and that's probably because of the the number one harry is in a new environment something strange to him he's he's never traveled with the doctor before and you've got sarah to be a mentor to him exactly and you've but you've also got sarah who has this weird relationship with the doctor at this point because she's not used to the fact that this man just regenerated this man was somebody else just you know days ago and suddenly He's changed his face. He's changed his personality. So you really see kind of that relationship between Sarah and Harry kind of blossom a little bit there. And then 
the Doctor and Sarah in Ark, and then you really kind of get almost this full-blown team by the time we get around to... Well, Genesis was next. Genesis, well, yeah. Revenge is after Genesis. It's um, Robot Ark. Santarin. Genesis. Oh, Santarin. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. Revenge was the last one on the end of that season. And um, then, technically, I, I lumped Zygon in with that season. Yeah, even though it's the beginning of the, yeah. of the following season. This still very much feels like it's a continuation. Um, but yeah, just uh, you almost get this. I, I think Genesis is the one that I always felt like that you really feel this team. Maybe yeah. I'm, maybe that's what I'm. Maybe it's Robot that I think is kind of the Harry Sarah, and then yeah, I think maybe Robot's what I would. I'm, I'm equating to that because you're right. Attack was on down the revenge. end of the road, or Retain, revenge was down the road. Well, and you you get you get that we're, we've introduced Harry and Robot. And then we immediately kind of take the opportunity to pair Harry with the Doctor in Ark and Space. And they're hiding from the defense system under the table and kind of building that relationship. And because Sarah is a strong enough character she and companion, she can be off on her own. And it doesn't feel like, oh, we've split her off to go do this. Now, obviously, she comes together with the Doctor later, and Harry's the one that gets split off. Right, right. Which I think is a, a good balance for that episode. And then you kind of get that same dynamic again later in Genesis when the Doctor and Harry are there yeah. being, uh, you know, interrogated. What? No tea. Right, right. No tea, Harry. And they, they, they really start to, for as much as the Doctor genuinely thinks Harry Solomon is an imbecile, <laughs> they, they get to, to kind of build that together. But again, Sarah's a strong enough companion that she's okay on her own for a little bit. Yeah. And we're not too concerned about her yet, um, even though she spends most of Genesis climbing up and down scaffolding. <laughs> but they make up for that then later. They really do. Yeah. With, you know, stories like um, uh, Pyramids of Mars and Android Invasion. I think Android Invasion is another strong yeah, one for her. Well, while I, I, I've never been as big a fan of Android Invasion as Sean, I, I, I think Sarah Jane, I think that's, that is a really strong story. I can't think of a story. <laughs> Maybe really Santarin Experiment is the one I think she might be even the weakest. I could and see it that. Most, mostly because... I don't think she had. Of course, it's a truncated story, but I don't think she has a lot to do there. No. Although I think that the Doctor is the strongest in that story, as far as the the tar- Team Tardis goes, because even though he's a, you know away and calculating things and figuring things out, he's kind of the one that rushes in and saves the day at the end. But um, if I had to point to one, that would probably trying to think of even the ones with the Third Doctor. She's pretty strong. Yeah, and she yeah. has some of the some of the well, great yeah, speeches well, of like with the Peladon story. Off the get nothing... go, yeah. off the get go, and in um, oh. well, we've got Time Warrior, Time Warrior, where she sneaks onto the TARDIS because she's yeah. this like uh, headstrong uh, reporter that's going there to get the story, you know, and she's going to get it, you know, come hell or high water, <laughs> and she's figured out a way to do it. Um, I like that, and so the, the, the character comes on very strong. And it's, it's the Peladon story. It's yeah, wonderful right. that very... she she has that skeptical Tardis moment, mm-hmm. but not in the way that we've come to expect. It's not the what well, can't be bigger on the inside. And, and that whole yes, suspend your disbelief, please. She let's get through that this. pretty easily. It's the going different places, it's going different know? places <laughs> in time, and that it's a trick. And how did you get this to work? And that she's still searching for that logical explanation to get her there. Yeah. And and that's that's an, an intriguing, yeah. you know, a twist on things. Um, we we come out of Time Warrior and into Invasion of the Dinosaurs, which she's 
you know, again, a, a strong part of that yeah. story. And despite having to scream in abject terror at some of the rubber monsters that have shown up. Which, I don't know about you guys, whenever she screams, I tend to take it more seriously. Yeah, really. <laughs> and and while it's kind of a trope to say the companions scream, well, if you go and look at it, they don't scream as often as people think they do. But Sarah screams even less than what people oh, think Oh, I think they so, do. too. Yeah, I yeah. think I you're mean, right. There, there are plenty of companions that don't scream, aren't the shrinking violet that it's often portrayed that the companion is. But Sarah is the epitome of that. Well, I almost think if part of it is, and I don't want to, I don't want to say any of the, the previous companions that travel with Doctor, when they screamed, they weren't in serious peril. But I always, when, when Sarah came to a point where she was scared, because there were a lot of moments where it you felt think, like the danger was much more yeah. heavy at that point. You know? there, there, maybe there, some there are a lot of moments like Seeds of Doom where you think, oh, okay, here's a great moment, she's going to scream, where Susan would have screamed, or Joe would have screamed, and Sarah doesn't. Yeah, It's those yeah. things that it's like, oh, wow, she's not that scared. And a part of that may be Henchcliffe's move toward the horror I, I think elements. some of it's... Was also, it was intended to be scarier and darker and, you know, those things. But I think more than anything, it's it's Liz. Uh, yeah, it's how she, plays, has, I think, how she plays the character. But like even like in, in Brain of Morbius, which I think we established isn't really... We always lump it into that Hammer style of film, but I think Hinchcliffe, Hinchcliffe has said that, that really isn't. Um, even in that particular story, even when Sarah... Although she's fumbling through that a lot in the dark. She's blind, blind, so she doesn't, yeah. doesn't know what's going on. There's a lot of moments where you expect that horror moment scream of, of the of the heroine, or not the heroine, but the, the female. The damsel in distress. Yeah, the damsel in distress in that. And, but it doesn't come. I mean, she does, but it doesn't come as often as you yeah. expect it to in, a, in the situation that they're placed in. So, Well, and, and looking back at the list here that we've done, and I know we talked about it when we reviewed it, but it's... We, 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 heap a lot of praise on Ace for being tough as nails and took out a Dalek with a baseball bat. And yet, death to the Daleks, Sarah Jane takes out an entire ship of Daleks. Yeah, that's right. By fooling them with the bomb trick. that right. oh, we, We've got the such and such drug that you need, and yeah, we gave them all this, and then the ship blows up. And that was all her. I mean, the, the doctor didn't have anything to do with that. The other person that she was with didn't have that was all her her idea her get go her implementation her plan, and she blew up a shipload of Daleks. <laughs> How many companions? You know, for as much I, I'm not trying to diminish anything with Ace because obviously she did it hand to hand, you know, mono right. and mono kind of. But, but still only how, many, how many companions have the claim to fame to be able to say I wiped this out? <laughs> That's kind of an impression. And and in episode three. Or story three of your of your tenure. Yeah. I mean, that really sets the stage for what well, we're going Well, and how many companions can also say how many of the classic villains they've come across? Sarah's run the gamut more yeah. than anybody else. Oh, sure, sure. Introduced to Santarans, season them again. Yeah. One, uh, two Dalek stories. Uh, a Cyberman story. The Zygons, the only instance we get there. I mean... She more than the Loch Ness monster. (laughs) There's so many that she gets in this that nobody else gets to have, and some of the best stories for these characters, for these 
villains too. I think Time Warrior and Santaran Experiment are some of the best Santaran stories that they've done. Yeah. And obviously, I think we pretty much all agree Genesis is one of the highest Dalek stories. Period. Well, and it speaks volumes. Like you, you mentioned the the great speeches that she has in Peladon to to take an episode that is essentially a retread. Oh, we're going Ice Warriors. We're going back to a planet we've already been to. We're going back into a political atmosphere that we've eh, already been to. Yeah, it's almost been there, done that. And it could have been. Yep. For as much as the plot itself kind of feels that way, she comes in with a, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're just as good as, you're, you're ruling the planet. Do that. What do you, you don't need this guy. And, and really kind of puts that fresh spin on it that, unfortunately, Joe Grant was cast in the, oh, the... Prince is going, to, or the king is going well, to attempt to marry you. Right. What, yeah. what helps is well, they switched from prince to princess. Yeah, yeah. Having Sarah Jane there, but Sarah Jane was introduced as kind of this ardent feminist, and that was kind of the direction they were going to character. And I don't think she ever, of the ardent feminists, I don't think they ever got the ardent nailed. <laughs> but I think she had some of the feminist traits, right. and so I think that that's what kind of steered that character in a direction that was quite different from Joe Grant. Because while Joe, I think, was... I don't think she was very damsely, but she still kind of fit that that, that, that mold of, you know, screaming damsel yeah. and, and, and needing the doctor to rescue. Whereas Sarah, because of going in that direction a little bit, they didn't necessarily have to have her be the same cut from the same mold as, as Joe Grant was. And it was a it was a choice that I think actually worked for the character. It's interesting to go back on this and for a show that gets so much bad press in a way for oh the damsel in distress and the the, the the screaming companion and blah 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 blah. You go back and you look and I, I've kind of been going doing this in my head, but well, you know, obviously we're talking about Sarah Jane, but then, you know, Joe Grant and we've discovered how much of a strong character Joe really was. And before that, you had Liz Shaw, who's a scientist and a brilliant mind in her own right. And before that, you had Zoe, who was a mathematician from the future and kicked Kronos' butt. You know, just, <laughs> how is all this from the same show? That These are damsel in distress type characters. Well, and then even following, you had Romana, who wasn't very damsel-y. Leela certainly wasn't. Because, because she was on par with the Doctor. Leela absolutely wasn't. It was not until you get into the fifth Doctor that you could almost get there with Tegan or Nyssa. And only in instances. Not all the time. Yeah. it's it's. I think it's very rare. I that think the, the problem with that, though, is after over a course of 50 years, you have a number of pitfalls. Well, you have stories where the female character or lead isn't as strong-willed or as strong of a person because of the story. And they are put in situations where they, they, more are, they are screaming, they are in need of rescue of the man, they are in tight, skimpy outfits. They are So you have a lot of those pitfalls. And I think once you, once you start to lump that all together, that's where you start to get the brain. That's where people is are kind it, of is glomming on Exactly. Well, and is, and it, like, is it and justified? No. But I can kind of see the idea of why it materializes that way because of the fact that we're talking so, such a well, I think big it's also an impressive and, television and, and when you go back to the beginning as great as great as Susan had her moments and as great as Barbara had her moments they both had their damsel in distress moments too and when you start the show that way it well, kind of gets that I think Vicky did I think, did. That could be, yeah. I think um, uh, 
Victoria did for some Victoria bars. Did, well, certainly did. So certainly did. Dodo. Uh, I haven't seen enough Dodo. Not, so yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, there's not a lot of Dodo not. there, but I don't think she was as much. I think she was... Polly gets that stereotype. But there's not enough of her to really justify that either. But in there, you've got the Sarah Kingdoms of the world. You've got the the, the, the uh, are, Zoe's. You've got oh, and the, then you get the episodes where Barbara isn't that way, or the episodes where Susan isn't that, that the way. one where she didn't touch the seeds, <laughs> where they flip. Yes. <laughs> But just, I mean, really, as sex, Barbara's not that way. I'm, 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 I'm tangenting a bit, but just the fact that, I mean, we're, we're taking this, this, this kid don't, show. Don't mistake intelligence though for well, not being a damsel in distress, because that happened for, or for being a strong female well, character. Yes, because yes. while intelligence can be a, a trait of a strong female character, you, you have, a, you can have a lot of intelligent people and still get the impression that they are. In need of rescue and all that kind of stuff, yeah. or give the impression that they are in need of rescue. Right, but I mean, I, I think the, the difference here is that all of these women have professions. They're 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 all they're they're all women in their own rights. They're modern women. Yeah, I mean, there's there's, 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 there's there's no there's no housewife. And not not that I'm knocking before anybody gets mad at me. Not that I'm knocking the, you know anybody who's chosen the housewife procession. But it would have been easy to do that to create a stereotypical damsel in distress character. But they never went there. And I wonder how much of that was was maybe Verity's influence. I wonder how much of that was uh, just. I mean, it's impressive to me, especially over the course of a fifty year show that this started back in in, in the sixties. And yet, none of the stereotypical ideas really are present when you break it down. That, to me, is, I think, more impressive than anything. And we talk about Sarah Jane kind of being this new archetype, but in a way it's not. Cause it was, it's there was, been I think there, there was always elements there. Yeah. I think because Sarah was... That's with, what I'm trying to get out. I think because is, Sarah is on the show for so long. I mean, she's, she was a long-standing companion compared yeah. to, to most. And I think that, 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 that suddenly... I think she's, her, her character is also consistent. I think throughout the five seasons, four seasons that she was on the show, I think that her character was very consistent. Whereas we three seasons, we have three. I think it was three. Three and three and two two. episodes. So, so nearly four seasons she was on the show. That with other companions, I think we saw inconsistency in the characters, as you pointed out with Barbara, with with um, uh, Joe, with. So, but but Sarah is that was I think she's looked at as that benchmark she's the because most she is consistent all the way through, and, right. and you can you you can't point to as many stories with her and say, well, there is this moment where she was very damselly, or this is that a word? Am I making damselly? Yeah, I just made an adjective. Damsel, <laughs> you know, she's not the damsel in distress. There's, there's a very very few times can you point to the fact that she was or that she wasn't, you know, in need of rescue. Yeah. Um. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit more about my favorite season, which, you know, Pyramids of Mars, Android Invasion, Brain of Morbius season, that whole run is just. <laughs> so now, we haven't watched Planet of Evil, right? I'm not. We've not watched Planet of Evil. So there's three I haven't you seen. You have three holes in your Sarah Jane knowledge. You have not watched Planet of the Spiders, Planet of Evil, or Mask of Mandragon yet. Because I had to save some of them. I couldn't I couldn't just throw them all in here and say, <laughs> we okay, watched, we're done. We uh, watched Mask of Mandragon. Nope. Mandragon, didn't we? Mm-mm. We watched. I know. I've, I know because I got him that for Christmas, and we haven't watched it. yet We watched Image of the Fendal. That was like two years ago. Yeah, I remember watching Image. I thought we watched Mask a long time ago. Nope. No, it was like two years ago. I got him for Christmas. 
Maybe that's why I thought that's we watched why, it. That's why you think so. <laughs> I'm saving. <laughs> the long, slow well, saber. Well, Pyramids is one of my all-time favorites. I think her strongest season... That, I can't, that's hard to say. I wouldn't say her strongest season were any of these. But my favorite season is is, is season 12. Mine so, too. Of the Sarah Jane of seasons. Of the Sarah Jane seasons. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of room for 13. There's a lot of room for 11, which was obviously different because it was uh, Pertwee. Yeah. Well, and, and, and 12, don't get me wrong, 12 is a f- <laughs> fine season. It's a benchmark of, of who. And there's so many good moments in that season. I mean, obviously anchored by Genesis. Um, but, yeah, and just a lot of good stories. There's a lot of good stories in season 12 as well. But for me, you, you talked earlier about it's the Doctor and Sarah Jane. And specifically, Tom Baker's Doctor and Sarah Jane. Mm-hmm. That, that's that companion. As much as I love Harry Sullivan, it changes that dynamic in season 12 versus season 13, which has all these great stories that I love, and it's just the two of them. Yeah. And, and so you're kind of back to that, here we go, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this, 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 this well, is this. Well, and I think I point to season 12 because I think, there's, I think those, that season has stronger stories. As far as relationship with the Doctor, I would agree with season 13 is probably, I like that because of the fact that it's just just her. But I'll also admit the 13 is my, that's that's as good as it ever, (laughs) that's it, that's the pinnacle of Doctor Who for me. As good as it ever was. As good as it ever was, was season 13. And that's unfair to say that. (laughs) It had Seeds of Doom and Scorby, how could you, you know. And coming off of Seeds of Doom again, having just rewatched it for Friday Night Who, it's so much fun to see that, yes, there are damsel in distress moments when they've got her pinned down to the thing and the plant's reaching for her. The doctor has to crash through the skylight to save her. Mm-hmm. But there are just as many moments where it's her and Scorby on their own, and she's giving him what for. I mean, this man is a, a, a fairly homicidal individual who delights in blowing <laughs> things up and blasting them with guns. And Sarah Jane is more afraid of the plant outside than she is of this guy locked in with her mm-hmm. to the point where she's okay with giving him lip service on it and saying, <laughs> this is, you know, you know, the, oh, the doctor ran off and left us. No, he didn't. He's going to come back and he's going to save all of us. And you do well to remember that, mister. And this isn't a problem you can throw a bomb at. And it just, I mean, just nonstop through the second half of that, that, that series of stories that mm-hmm. she's just the strongest person in the room. You know, yeah. despite having been put in these situations where the doctor has to come in and save them from the plants that are strangling them or whatever. I mean, it's just that that's that's just, that's the TV trope there. That's the part of it. But well, and, and you can also point to the fact that, you know, the doctor, the plants coming to her, the doctor has crashed through the skylight. But wasn't it just earlier than that that she ends up saving? She sends, saves him first from the, the composter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you you get as many and you she get as many Sarah Jane, to try to get yeah. yeah. You, get, you get as many Sarah Jane saves as you do Doctor Seuss. Yeah, the, the Sarah yeah. Jane. Do, do, doesn't even bother with the panel. Doesn't push yeah, the button. No, just climbs in, in to untie him and get him loose. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> He's like, push the button, push the button. Talk about brave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe not using your brain entirely, but God bless her for going in. We, we've discussed. Ad nauseum, the, the the genius of Brandon Morbius that she wanders around blind and and still figures things out and still you know tumbling off mountain cliffs and sneaks mm-hmm. into well sneaks into the thing first under the guise of the Sisterhood of the Flame yeah. to rescue him with a knife yeah, yeah and does all that doesn't scream once 
through, through any of that nonsense, you know, and, and then gets blinded. And it's not until she manages to navigate down a stairwell in the creepy castle and knocks over the brain jar, which is talking to her, that she's a little weirded out. Right. And, and and I imagine it takes that much. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> at that point it's the grabbing a hold of something spongy and going, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> That's when I would have screamed. Ah, <laughs> you know? oh, just uh, android invasion. <laughs> I can't believe you don't like that one. That's I know. Just, that's, I don't. I don't hate that. I don't hate story. That, that that story. I just. I do not hold it so near as high a guard in regard as you do. And Pyramids of Mars, where this, this is the one thing I kind of wish we would have gotten at some point in time a little backstory to establish why she's a crack shot, because she's perfectly at home with that rifle going. Yep, I got this. <laughs> I won't miss. Yep. And it's like but she makes a comment in there about being. She had brothers or something. Yeah, didn't no, she? an uncle wasn't it? An uncle that had an taught uncle? her to shoot. Well, maybe it was, uh, who's the aunt that she went to live with in, uh, canine? Canine Aunt Aunt Luvina? Maybe. Maybe Maybe. it was Uncle Luvina. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Well, he did have a cult living next to him. (laughs) Probably needed the gun for... (laughs) Well, and the character of Sarah Jane Smith and certainly the performance of Elizabeth Sladen obviously made a mark enough that they they, they tried one spinoff. In in uh, K nine and company. Speaking of K nine, and, and yeah, she she would have been a you know obviously she's the lead of that even though the show's named after K nine. You gotta have a human lead, <laughs> which I think you know K nine and Sarah Jane or Sarah Jane and K nine would have been just as good as K nine and company. Although I think that it was also a way to allow Elizabeth Sladen to maybe kind of enter and exit, and not have to be central episode. to every episode, yeah. but. They certainly set it up like that's where they were going. I figured it. she was going to be central yeah. to the episode. Well, the, the, but what I can say is bring in more characters and, and not have her be so centralized and have to carry that show as much as uh, she ended up, would have ended up doing but from, from the pilot. solely on the opening credit sequence. Oh, sure. No, absolutely. No, that, but <laughs> I, I, I think show. I'm justifying why, where the name originally came from. And then saying that this is what they got to by the time they got to the pilot. And it would have been Sarah Jane all the way there. That's why I say it should have been Sarah Jane and K-9 as opposed to Sarah Jane. If this had been an American-made show, the the simple truth is is that Sarah Jane is our star. K-9 sells cereal boxes. (laughs) So that's where we're going to go with this. We put his name in the title, and that's how it works. Um, But then, of course, it was a no-brainer to get her back for the five doctors, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, And then... Such an iconic character that was created, and so many people, I think, also because so many kids of our generation came to the show with Sarah Jane as the companion, um, for to bring her back in school reunion, to reunite her with the doctor at that point was just blew my mind. I was ecstatic when I heard when I found out that they were doing that. I was just that was. One of the best news I had heard in a long time <laughs> was that one of my companions was finally returning. I, I kind of wish I had been new to the show when that aired initially. Or not new to the show. I had been a long-time viewer of the right, show. Right. Uh, going into it, having only seen three Sarah Jane at that point, I really enjoyed it. And now, that's the episode I go back to when I'm feeling a little nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that. that's one of the most ones I go back to in Tenant's Run, honestly, is School Reunion. Well, partially because K-9's in it, too. Partially. <laughs> it's, the, it's the two of them. It's K-9 and Sarah Jane. Right. What more can you right. ask for? Exactly. exactly. So. And Anthony Head. 
And from a purely selfish standpoint, how how nice to canonize canine and company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is certainly you, you, true. You, you, yeah. get, you get that benefit, benefit out so of it. I, I went back and looked, and we didn't list in our episode number the ones we reviewed when we did the, our first Companion Chronicle. Oh, we didn't list Do you remember them. what ones we did, other than Canine and Company? We did... Oh, yeah, because it says... Did we do Hand of Fear? First of her three stories, we review three of her stories with the Doctor and her first adventure with Canine. So we did three stories and... Canine and Company. Well, Well, this was way back in episode 14. Definitely Hand of Fear was one of them. Hand of Fear. Did we do Pyramids at that time? I don't know if your your schedule went back. I can look, yeah. Um... I suppose I have that information here, don't I? I should, I should probably yeah. pull For that up. For some reason, you keep that running schedule. I, I now we know why. Um, where did I put that? Um, but then, you know... Bringing her back even. Bringing her back even more. because by, by Well, and then she came back a couple more times in Doctor Who proper, but then... Uh, and that was even after her spin off, off to yeah. her own series. And so, that's... Again. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know... And doing it right this time. Why is he saying calling that... calling it Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane Adventures. Adventures. It's you know we 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 want to do the exact same show we would have done without Canine. <laughs> He's still there, but you know less. Um, of course, she made appearance in Downtime. Uh, I think she was in one other that we haven't seen. One other um, uh, Real Time or VVV um, production of the unofficial Doctor Who <laughs> stuff. Uh, she's done those as well, so she's she's certainly been in the hearts and minds of fans for 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 many years, and it's a testament it's a testament to a lot of actors that come back and, and do this, especially in the wilderness years when they were doing projects that we would consider now fan film. It's a testament to her as an actress and as an ambassador to Doctor Who to to come back and do those sort of things because you know they 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 were done they were made on shoestring budgets they were made at such a low cost that you, they couldn't have paid those actors and actresses very much and for her to be one of those people to say to recognize fandom and recognize what she was doing for a community that that to me that sets her above and beyond a lot of people because of that there were four of them actually that we did in that archive we did the time warrior because oh, it was her first appearance. Yeah, we did sense. Robot. Okay. We did Hand of Fear. And we did K9 and Company. That's what he's saying. Yeah. It, it said three and K9 three and, three and, K9 and, K9 and Company. So Time Warrior, Robot, and Hand of Fear. So and according to TARDIS Wikia, the only direct video she did was Downtime, but there were early BBC radio dramas that she did do. Well, was, yeah, that was another thing. Um, well, did she did some stuff for Big Finish 2 in the interim, too, called the Sarah Jane Adventures, I believe. Yeah, she had a Sarah Jane Smith line. Or the Sarah Big Jane Finish. Smith, yeah. Adventures. And then Sarah Jane Adventures audiobooks, too. Yeah, yeah. And so. short trips. Uh, just such a great testament to her as an actress and her as a character that they kept coming back to her and bringing her back to the show throughout the years, I think, is enough of a tribute that just looking at it, you go, yeah. That's, that's about right. And I wish I, I unfortunately I don't I've never seen anything out of her outside of her catalog of anything that she's done uh, besides Doctor Who related materials. Um, however, she is one woman that I, I I sorely lament the fact that I, I never got to meet her. That I never got to go to a convention and meet her, and because I I always heard stories of how warm and friendly and 
communicative she was with with the fans how she she could sit and talk to you and really make you feel comfortable and and welcome and loved and and just i i've always heard that and i wish i could have experienced that firsthand but i think so much so now that she's older i think that comes across in the character of sarah jane as well yeah is that she can you know on the show we see her as this strong independent strong-willed woman but you also see that kind of Maybe not in the character, but just maybe some of that Elizabeth Sladen sneaks through that you can tell that she would be a warm, genuine person just to talk to in person as well. Yeah. And so, See, it's it's interesting that you you say you never really had a crush on her. I never. I, I don't know. I don't. I, it was more of a <coughs> excuse me. It was more of just an association with her. You know that I, I just I felt like an I admiration. Could, yeah, an admiration. I could I could live vicariously through her. And, Which is kind of what the w- and wish that for. I had the yeah. same you know relationship that she had well, with the doctor, the same type. I mean, because I, I I definitely get where you're going with that, and I had that. I mean, I totally totally had that. Um, I also totally had a crush on her, not the same as well, my Leela crush was was pretty hardcore. <laughs> See, I didn't really have a crush on Leela either. Really? Mm-hmm. Mary Tam was mine. Yeah, was was my, we, that was my crush. She's probably my least favorite Tom Beaker, Beaker, Tom <laughs> Baker <laughs> companion. But I had, I had, oh my, I had a huge crush on Mary Tan. Mm. She was Brady. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, that's, of, uh, I don't know, of all, not that she wasn't, because she was. She was a very beautiful woman, but just of all of the, of all of Tom Baker's companions, she would be at the bottom. Mm. My list. Um, yeah, like, now, like I said, my my Leela crush was rather more straightforward. Um, <laughs> and my, I'm sure there were reasons for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you let's see, not go into those things. <laughs> yeah. My my Romana two crush was um, probably purely based on the school outfit. <laughs> I don't know why. I really don't, but. At any rate, the the Sarah Jane crush was different. It was that it's one of those. It's you're you're crushing more on the character than the love. appearance. It, it, it might have been puppy love. It might have been that girl next door quality. It might have been. Um, I, I noticed that and admired that, but I never. I, I, I couldn't say honestly that I had a out and out crush on her. I had. I just. I had an admiration for the character, but. Yeah, I mean there was there was that too, but I she she just um I don't know, it was she was just a character that I instantly fell in love with. And and not not just character standpoint, but yeah, absolutely across the board. You know, I'm in love with this woman. And um See how how old were you when you started Doctor Who, when you came to Doctor Who? Oh. Maybe 11? Maybe younger? Maybe 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 8 or 9? Some, somewhere it was, in it was that. It's about the same for me, so... That's why yeah, I'm I just... More like 12, 12 11, 12. That's why I, I wondered if maybe it was because of, 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 of when I came to... Because, I mean... the <laughs> Truly, I think part of the reason I had a crush on Mary Tam is because... I was coming into that, late, that age of adolescence where I was noticing 
women more too. So before that, I could I can't remember having a crush on anybody on television. There were girls in my class I had crushes yeah. on, but there was a but that was because you have a different connection with that type of person. I can't think of anybody that I really kind of had a crush on even on television um, at that time, and I, I'm probably wrong, but I can't I can't think of any I can't think of any of it. So maybe that's why I, I, I Christy McNichol in the way. pirate movie. <laughs> oh, I did have Christian hair. I did like Christy McNichol. Well, I mean, there, there and Fair Fawcett. I did like Fair Fawcett and Charles Angels. And, and I think it was a little more than a crush. I think that was it was an unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a legitimate difference between <laughs> lusting for, yeah, that for, was for an a character. That was unhealthy. And, well, and, 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 and maybe the popular crush versus you got to remember when Fair Fawcett was on television. I was like five, so that was that's not even right either. But <laughs> you caught her in reruns. Well, no, I, I distinctly remember sitting in front of the television. With my mom and dad watching Charlie's Angels, going, I really like her. She's pretty, <laughs> and, and and going, yeah, that's that's probably a crush. Not going, I you know, uh, thinking lust is evil thoughts, but just there was a little something stirring there, knowing you know that. So see, I think mine, I guess I did. My, mine was Linda Carter. That was the, the first uh, one that I can really when when you know I didn't even like Wonder Woman, but something I knew that when I got home from school and Wonder Woman was on. She was going to run somewhere, and I was okay with that. That was kind of as far as the thinking got on that front. So that was kind of the first, you know, not well, really I do, understanding I do it. Know but somebody else had a crush on oh, TV, but I might have been older. older. I mean, it was younger, earlier than Charlie's Angels, but I don't remember specifically. You remember that show, Heart to Heart? Oh yeah, I think it was. Uh, uh, um, what's his name? That, Robert uh, Wagner. Yeah, Robert Wagner and Stephanie and Stephanie Zimbalist Jr. Or Stephanie, yeah, yeah. Was it Stephanie? Yeah. I had a question here. Powers. Yeah. But I think I was I was a little older at that time too. So yeah, it might have been was, that, was, that, that Mary Cham era, so that was seventy nine to eighty four. Yeah. Heart to heart? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'd have been yeah, I'd have been in junior high when that show was Okay. Know. So but um Yeah, I mean there's like my my Leela Crush was definitely more the other end, but this was the <laughs> The more innocent, the more innocent, mm-hmm. pure, um, you know, in love with her. It's just interesting to me that you, now you obviously kind of in, a different kind of indifferent yeah. in that regard, just because it's it's to you, it's just another companion, although not. Uh, it, it was still a very early. Com- it was what the second classic companion. I was probably inter- no. It would have should have been first. No, because we did Silurians first. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess that's true. You'd seen yeah, uh, his his first. And I would have had his class. Well, no, no, the first would have been Joe, or not Joe, no, uh, Liz, 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 Shaw. Liz, and then we watched Doctor Who because we did, yeah, the Silurians. I should have been introduced to Joe, but I didn't finish the story. Yeah, neither one of you got through Sea Devils. <clears throat> I did eventually. Of course, that was, uh, that was for back Friday in the day when we were cramming a lot of oh, stuff. We crammed we so many episodes. We, we've learned so many lessons since then. <laughs> I, I don't remember who we realized hey, after that. We've got some longevity here. We have to pay Well, te- if, if, if you want to get technical, your first companion would have been um, Liz. Yeah. Because it was Doctor and the Southern right. Then you would have been Joe because you did Sea Devils. And then you would have got Which Tegan, I watched part of. Uh, with Warriors of the Deep. Then it would have been Grace. For Doctor Who, oh, the yeah, movie. Yeah. Then more Liz and Joe. And it wasn't until way late in the game at episode 14 that you got so, yeah. so way late in the game. Like so 14 late in the game. weeks in. <laughs> but that was a big dump of 
for stories yeah. of yeah, her. Yeah. Well, and again, and unfortunately, we, 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 were, we were churning through some of this stuff yeah, we were. far greater at speed than we had any we right to do. <laughs> I really wish I had known more of her work and seen more in her and could appreciate and mourn with everybody when she really passed, as opposed to years later yeah. when I truly got to know the character and appreciate her more because even 14 was at post her death so it was still kind of an abstract of we're watching these stories of this actress who just recently died so it's it's i didn't have the emotional connection then obviously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now that i do i can imagine what i would be like during that time when she passed because i get emotional just watching school reunion and the tribute videos that they've done for her yeah. It's, um, I don't know if this is weird or not, but. Her and Nicholas Courtney are the two deaths in the show that I, that get me the most choked up when I think about it yeah. now. Now, yeah. Well, it's so close together, too. Yeah. So close together. And uh, the, the two. Now that, as, as more so now that I've known the characters more. I mean, Mary Tam, it's a shame that we don't have her anymore, but there wasn't as much of. It's a bit of a limitation on what. Yeah, exactly. Now we, we, now we have some we'll audio to look forward more, to. Yeah. So, and then by that, by the time we get to that point, I might be lamenting it even more. But those two are the ones that have so much history behind them that it's it, it's the ones that I wish we had still. Yeah. That I would love to see Nicholas Courtney uh, uh, go against Matt Smith on the screen, or seeing Sarah Jane come back to who would proper who again. Mm-hmm would have been fantastic it's just such a tragedy that we don't have them anymore it almost makes you wonder if there isn't a um i don't know somewhere in moffat's head maybe should there be a the ultimate of, a, a ticking clock you know that it i I'm, I'm sure in the case of nicholas courtney it's just this as we all did this just kind of general assumption that well we can get him on the show eventually because he's going to be there, you know, and, and kind Wasn't of... Was there reasons that they had to change Brigadier characters for the new series? Like with that Sontaran two-parter? There, yeah, I think there, they, they there had reasons intended why? to bring him into the Sontaran two-parter, and he was too ill at the time. that was kind of the biggest unit He was too ill at the time, so they wrote him out and said that he was improved. Yeah. Which he was improved quite frequently during the <laughs> 10th Doctor's era, but... Which, and that yeah. was even after he had done the story for Sarah Jane, wasn't it? No, I think or that, that was, was, it, or I think did that he was right around that and, time, and then that's yeah. when he, I think he was feeling better, and he was able to do the Sarah uh, Jane adventures. I think because Russell said, you know, we'll, we'll keep you in mind for something, and, and then that, that opportunity came about. I think it took, I think I've got the, I may have this. I, 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 I think that sounds right, chronology-wise, but... Um, yeah, it's it's it sounds. I don't know if it's bad or, or cliche, but you you, you hear uh, you guys are in the news. You hear those moments that this is one of those moments that you will always forever remember where you were at. You know, uh, or there was you know the Kennedy assassination, the moon landing, nine eleven. Uh, you know, whatever. When you when you when you get that news, and um, to this day, I can pinpoint the parking stall I was in when you called me. Mm-hmm on campus at Washburn wow. when when I, when you broke the news. And, I mean, just... It's strange to me to have this affect me 
in very much the same way that those other big things, mm -hmm. you know, the Challenger explosion and, you know, big, big newsworthy world event kind of things. And this hit me with no less impact. Than, Probably a than little bit more because you had more invested yeah, in this. In, in some ways, yeah. This abstract tragedy you're seeing on television. Yeah. I think that's certainly true. You're more vested in a character that you grew up or, with. Or an actor. Somebody that, that, you know, touched your life as a child, too. That's the thing that I look at it as. You know, I was so connected to the actress just through, the tele through television, through Doctor Who, and then returning to it, you know, years later when, I, when I'd grown up and, and reconnecting with Sarah Jane and reconnecting... And just having all of that build up and her appearance on the new series. And it just it just continued to grow and grow and grow. And then suddenly, it's all cut off. And it just, yeah, that was, hit me pretty hard, too. And it was, it, it, um, for me, it, it felt like the tragedy was that it was without warning. Mm -hmm. there, there are celebrities that you are um, familiar with or close to or, or, or whatever that either because you know that they're sick or they're just getting up there in years, you begin to mentally prepare mm -hmm. yourself yeah. at, yeah. at some, in some way, shape or form, some, some conscious level, your, your mind begins to distance itself from it, from the reality of that, that just knowing that there's a reality attached to it. And this was out of the blue. This was just such a, that, that she'd done such a, and, and, and going back and there was a part of me that was really looking when we were watching season five. Looking for the signs. Is she sick yeah. there? It doesn't look yeah. like it. I mean, she's not running any less than she did in any other, I mean, you know, just, just not seeing it. Yeah. And that yeah. she was such a good actress that she hid that from everybody until it was to the point where she couldn't do it anymore. There's, well, and it's one of those things like if, soon it comes out that Janet Fielding passes. It wouldn't be as surprising because we knew that she was battling yeah. Yeah. cancer. Well, Whereas we knew, this, we, we knew Mary Tam was sick when she was sick. We knew that yeah. uh, uh, even Kate, Kate O'Mara I think we got a little bit of forewarning on, on hers as well. But um, Nicholas Courtney, he's been, he's been ill for years. Or had been Ill, Ill for years before. That was still a tough one, but yeah. again yeah. a little older, a little more yeah. It's, there's there's three times in my life that I, I can equate to what you're saying, and one one was Liz Sladen, where it just came came, came out of blue and affected me. Uh, one was John Belushi, believe it or not, when I was young, quite young, because I, I thoroughly enjoyed John Belushi's movies, and obviously it was just abrupt uh, when he died. Um, oh, uh, three, sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> Heath, Heath Ledger. Uh, was another one that was just kind of a smack in the face because I thoroughly loved him as an actor. But the the one that hit me as hard as Liz Slayton was Jim Henson for me. So yeah, and it's it's because of that that you you're not prepared for that. Yeah, it's such a shock when some when people you're you're connected to, even if it's through television or movie or film or, or any sort of medium that if like John Belushi was one of my favorite comedic actors as a, as a kid even even yeah very young age when i should have been watching john Belushi. Movies. um <laughs> heath ledger was another one of those and then you know obviously the other two the muppets and so gene roddenberry that, that one that one did, wasn't one for the, me for me that yeah. was that was a that was a big because he was really kind of the first of the trek family 
Oh yes, oh, yeah, yeah. To, 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 to bow yeah. out. And again, he was older. He was the you know, but it, it still felt like it came mm-hmm. out of the blue. I bet. And then after that, you just kind of began mm-hmm. stealing yourself for them. Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's still it's still difficult to talk about, really. Yeah. I know we're we're celebrating, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but well, but here, but we, let, let's look at it this way: is number one, we can always revisit. That's the nice thing about having such great stories; we can always go back and revisit. The other thing that I look forward to is we just pointed to the fact that there's still four of the Sarah Jane Doctor Who stories that Keith has not seen yet. We get to still three, and we still get to continue to explore those and enjoy those. Still get to see more, yeah. And there's we've got a whole big finished audio series, so there's still that that neither you or I are going to be completely new to listen to. So there's still new adventures out there for us, and I and I when we come to the end of all of that, it will probably be another somber moment for me. But on the flip side of that, I, I, I I like the fact that. There's such an extensive catalog now of one of my favorite companions that I can continue to go back and and relive and, and enjoy all over again yeah. and keep dipping into you know in the future. So. Of all the companions, I have more of her stories than anybody else's on DVD, and I'm not a completist. Obviously, I'm selective in my choices. Part of that is by dumb luck. Part of that is because I enjoyed the story so much that. I seized the opportunity when I could get them. And that's a testament to her, I think. As it should be. I mean, it's, you know, but when, um, I don't know, I'm biased in my decision, obviously, <laughs> because it's like, well, you know, look at this run. Look at these episodes. Look at these, you know, of course you have to own these. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> I still feel that way. I mean, if... Um, and, and, and I'm sure it's subjective. Obviously, I'm if if this was the reverse, and Chrissy's talking about Nissa, she's going to own yeah. you know yeah, the, the majority of it because that's the one that she latches on to the most. Or, um, you know, well, woe is the person who just thinks Grace is the end all be all. Because... <laughs> well, they get that in a comic. No, they don't. <laughs> they get that. They get that. But oh, I, th- I feel like we should talk about a little bit the two tributes that they did. Oh mm. yeah, yeah. Um, My Sarah Jane, which aired on BBC or CBBC, and then oh, uh, Goodbye Bannerman Road, that was on the DVD exclusive. Um, both I thought were really well done. What I appreciated was the fact that they were still different yeah. enough. Um, Goodbye Sarah Jane was very David Tennant heavy and this featured a lot of Matt Smith while his parts weren't as emotional as David's were what hit me most I think while watching the Goodbye Bannerman Road is seeing the actors who played Clyde and Ronnie go back to Bannerman Road for the last time. They hadn't been there since they she died. And seeing them going through that was just heartbreaking. Sure, sure. That was the part of that look back uh, and celebration of her life. Because there were some similar elements that were used. Right, but that was right. the part that, wow, that's just yeah. a gut punch. 
Did you watch it? No. It was it was a nice. Both both were really well done tributes. Yeah, it was a nice capstone on her life as far as going from you know point A to point B and really celebrating mm-hmm. her life. But it was because it used, you, it also used a bit more clips from classic Who. Yeah, and you you felt yeah as you were saying in, in a lot of those even even a lot of the sit down interviews you felt that difficulty that they had with dealing with the fact they, didn't know how they to... were saying wonderful things about her but it was just it was almost like it was almost like they were still a bit dumbstruck and it was that it happened they would still even a little bit in shock but it, even it, even in goodbye bannerman road it had it's been, been a little while yeah yeah <laughs> and so it was still like My you know, that's what i'm talking about that's what i'm talking about in goodbye bannerman road it's still like they still they have these weird brain like, around the idea yeah, they that she's gone quite got there yet and so and it had been done, you know, quite a ways after. Yeah. So, um, honestly, I, I I I made the mistake of watching the um, Goodbye, Sarah Jane um, after we finished season five, and went through that whole roller coaster wave of feels during that, and. Just couldn't bring myself to watch the other. <laughs> well, I, I it just I, this, I, it's stupid. I know. I might it, have been the same way, except for I saw the Goodbye Sarah Jane a year or so ago. Yeah, and so I didn't rewatch that this time. I watched the Goodbye Banner Banner and Road this time, knowing that I don't think I could have dealt with both of them. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think that's time, I think that's what know? it was. It's just having putting both of them together with this talk and everything that was coming yeah. up. I was just like, you know, I'm not emotionally. Prepared. <laughs> I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment. Well, well, yeah, you are. <laughs> As they say, at the end of the season, season five, the story goes on forever. 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 You want to talk about what's coming up on the schedule? Oh, with pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Happy things. Happy things. Okay. Um, I've already got my homework done next week, too. There is some homework, kids, if you haven't already. Uh, Friday Night Who, not homework, but just for fun. Silver Nemesis with Sylvester McCoy, uh, Friday this week. Homework for the podcast for episode number 186 is Big Finish Mainline Audio number 36, The Rapture, also starring Sylvester McCoy. And and, Sophie Aldrin. And Sophie Aldrin. And ebook number seven, The Ripple Effect, because this is our celebration. We're continuing on from the 50th anniversary last year. We're just doing a doctor a month. Which is the seventh doctor story. Seventh doctor story, seventh month. So it's a seventh doctor and a story and a seventh doctor and a story audio. It's week next week. All week. (laughs) So uh, they got that to look forward to. And then again, balance in all things. uh, Because we've had a Cyberman story, we're going to do a Dalek story the following week with Resurrection of the Daleks, Peter Davidson. And then uh, we're going to do uh, Big Finish Audio number 39, The Church and the Crown, also starring Peter Davidson. And then uh, the Do you new, want companions in that? In The Church and the Crown, I think it's Perry and Aram. 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 I'm pretty sure there's not a sea anemone in that. Oh, but that'd be an interesting companion, wouldn't it? <laughs> a talking sea anemone. And then you got it. Did I? <laughs> you yep. did that. An enemy. Aramum. What else is on the schedule? <laughs> um, and then the the uh, uh, new Titan Comics for, yeah, yeah, for uh, yeah. Doctor Who Comic Day. We are so excited about those. We we will be discussing those and uh, where we think you know the, the goodness is. So, and that's it. That's all I'm going to give you. 
All right. Um, remind me to talk to you. Off, uh. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no, that's good stuff. All right. Uh, well, is there any other cowskeet keeping we need to do before we sign off? All right. Well, that's going to be for this week. So. Nope. <laughs> Until next us. week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Have you met Miss Smith? She's my best friend. been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Come back.